Welcome to episode 67 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as ever by Graham Radding. If you haven't listened before, then this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but of course we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. So this week, we're going to be starting our look at November 1987 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 31 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in UK music that month. So Graham, what have we got going on this week? In this local village fate complete with massively overwhelmed and dangerous looking bouncy castle, trash or treasure unlucky dip, incinerated but free barbecue food, crappy prize drawer and name card, and empty beer tent of an episode. We dive into our best geese, mock so our yammies, say our 8-bit us, and then ki as we prepare for some freeway fighting action with our K+. Play some big pool or little snooker, depends how you look at it, in the physics-defying tiny ball world of on cue, and then travel to a well-known DIY retailer to rescue some kids that have become trapped in the oddly named Land of Neverwhere. We also cover ourselves in bodybuilder's oil before heading into the nearly brand arcade game jungles with the peculiar single-colour sprite-filled world of Athena. Explore the complexities of our own minds and ideas by rotating loads of brain cogs in the unusual pi r squared and start clicking our fingers and asking if the warriors are coming out to play in the gang-laden proto-side-scrolling beat-em-up renegade. If that dubious incinerated wild boar sandwich hasn't turned you vegetarian and you're now thinking the homemade pickled cabbage might be worth a munch, we go looking for Hanty, dressed as Santy, but avoiding Calty. It will all make sense later, maybe. In the gauntletish, confusing Mean City, grab our water wings, floats and goggles before diving into the pool for a good old game of... Uh, water polo? In, well, in water polo. Okay, water polo. Tackle the pesky rebels of Sentinel-4 to thwart their weapon warehousing schemes with a massive tank in the somehow Pengo-inspired anarchy before finally heading into the beyonds of space, time and reality inside a mahoosive sprite spaceship, upgrading and shooting and admiring the crazy coding and the multiplex sprites and did I tell you about the coding and the cleverness? In the arty Morpheus. There's some good games here finally and with at least one of these you can punch someone right in the crotch if they say otherwise. That is always a good thing. Smashing for Ace. mash gets smash. That's four, what I four say. Mash. <laughs> four mash, three, <laughs> three <laughs> tickle doves. <laughs> four pals of mash. <laughs> three <laughs> cream the, the, the lesser known, uh, the lesser known twelve days of uh, of November. Well, it was twelve days of Christmas round our way. You know, in Grimsby, things were there was no plum puddings or anything. Or lords are leaping. No, but people were starting to put the decorations out. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we were one of them. Yeah, no. my mum was a fervent Novemberist. 
And I admire them. that dedication to the to the dangly foil decoration. Oh, there was so much dangly foil. <laughs> I liked I like it though. I liked the way your mum did your. It was it was ace. That's how you should have a house. If you imagine Absolutely. a house full of amazing dangly decorations, because that's how it should be. That's how exactly how a house should be. Yeah, no, it's all stylized now and color matching tinsel and stuff. No, it was just missing the jolly fat man in the corner giving presents out. Literally, it was a proper grotto. <laughs> it was but, good. That's how it should I be. Know. Yeah, so with that festive will in mind... Yes, because we're nearly there. We're a month before the festiveness. We are. My ear's still blocked, by the way. Still. What? I've been to the doctor. I'll be getting it sorted next week. Do you look at it and go, yeah, it's blocked. How are they going to do? Suck it out? Pre- uh, pr- pretty much, yeah. They just uh, they bring in uh, an emu. <laughs> okay. And, uh, a medically, it's a medical emu, so... Oh, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. He didn't just lean gently in and give you a kiss on your ear. <laughs> and, oh, it blows out. Let me just apply this. Now, is that any better? <laughs> <laughs> it just it just shocks me with some news. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pop. Ah. Uh, I was, I was shocked at that news. Okay, blocky, blocked here as it is. It is. So uh, once again, my delivery may be lent yeah, over. Slightly deaf, slightly deaf but, to uh, the left. Yeah, but I'll be all right. So on that earache of a bombshell, let's move along. So we're getting to our first game. Are we not doing the cover? Do oh yeah. God, you see, I lose, <laughs> I lose flow, I lose my thread. Yes, let's talk about the cover because I had things to say about this bloody cover. Stop doing previews for covers. Yeah, well, did that is that something that they're sort of doing more often than not now, aren't they? But they didn't well, use to know, do that, as far as it, I remember. Well, it does, because, I mean, if it goes back to Wizardry, if you remember. Yeah, I just don't think they just seem to do more of these now, or is it maybe just these issues? I don't know, but yeah. I don't know, it's yeah. Nice it's cover, just stop though. doing it. It is, but you've got games like Morpheus, Cudex, Renegade, International yeah. Karate Plus... <laughs> You know. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some some games they could have done a cover for there, but the Hunter's Moon, man, Hunter's Moon and 3D glasses. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Are we starting into the uh, realm of the novelty novelty editions? No. They didn't really do so well, the 3D with the green and the red, did they, and things? No, it was just annoying, gave you an headache. I mean, it would do, yeah. I can't remember what the, the scientific way it works, but yeah. I never liked it. I don't really like 3D, if I was honest. Like, well, not like no. kind of 3D. I saw um, Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D at, at Whitgift Cinema um, with red and green glasses on. It wasn't film. He was just walking. He was just walking around. It was kind of scary. <laughs> I was going to say the film was black and white. That's absolutely no effect. Absolutely, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." There was one bit sort of thing was there, best there was 3D a massive, ever. <laughs> there was a massive trombone that came right out of the screen at me. It was kind of weird. That's the bit I remember. Oh, just, actually, someone's sat in front of you with a trombone, apparently <laughs> turning around, in your face. You're like, "Wow, this 3D is incredible." It's amazing. And it seems strange to have a trombone in the jungles when there's a where it was the swamps. But there you go. <laughs> well, you know, well, they, they were they were getting down for a bit of a hoedown first. There was some, there was a thing before the. I remember the creature walks in and scares someone. And you know, <laughs> like well, to know. be fair, Swampy Trombone sounds like a sax player from some jazz band, <laughs> doesn't he? And then saxophone tonight, Swampy Trombone. Here he is, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's happy to be here, or maybe he's in. We don't know. He speaks fluent trombone. <laughs> no one can understand him. <laughs> Apart from uh, Terence Trent Darby, who's flew in all the wind Darby, instruments, yeah. as we said before. Get Terence in, we'll talk to him. What was that? <laughs> What's you that? want pizza now? <laughs> no time, no well. time. <laughs> but yes, there is the 3D glasses. I don't remember. I remember this cover and I remember this issue was up. I don't remember why the 3D glasses were a thing. Well, uh, I suppose there's something page, inside there pages is, with, Yeah, there's pages within the map, uh, within the magazine that are uh, uh, 3D. Right, well, that explains the classes then. It does. Just gave so, away for a goof. As, as it says, there's a super special 3D 32-page tips supplement. 32-page of 3D tips? 
Mm. Sounds like sounds like some nightmare <laughs> world of tea drinking. <laughs> just, <laughs> anyway, just, just, just Julian Rignall sat there drinking tea for thirty two pages. Oh, this is lovely, very lovely in three D. Just a really slow motion, like you have to flick the corners of the page, and it's like an animation. <laughs> look at how real it looks. It's like it's like he's drinking tea right in front of your face. <laughs> Shut up, you. No one asked you. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> he's, he's going. He's gone now. Oh, he ain't coming Trump- back. <laughs> Good old swampy trombone. Um, <laughs> on that trombony note, I think we've done the cover. There you go. It, it's all right though, isn't it? It's quite nicely done. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's an amazing drawing. Again, he's done that. I like the the actual drawing itself of the spaceships and the fire and the lasers and all that. It's pretty amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a, it feels a bit cramped. The actual artwork though, <laughs> it's all a bit squashed in because of the giant three D glasses. But okay. Yeah, but yeah. So, Ollie, can you make it fit over there? Well, kind of, and just make it all white. Uh, kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll uh, do that. All right. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. So there we go. Yeah, so Hunter's Moon is on the cover, and it says coming soon. I Stop it. Just do one of the games for this month. Yeah. Yes, damn it. Anyway, there we go. That's the cover. Cover done. Cover done. Cover done. Cover done. Let's move along, then. Should we get into our first game? Let's do that. Let's do that. So let's get into our first one. And it's a biggie. It's a biggie. It's a full price one. Graham, go on. Tell us all about IK Plus. Well, there's not loads to tell about IK Plus. Not in terms of its, but there's there's some interesting things and 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 stuff, isn't there? I mean, yeah, IK Plus is possibly, I think, the greatest fighting game on the C64. Certainly, um, yeah. I think it's yeah. it's the only one that I could really topple some of the the contenders in this field are small and few um, in many sense, really. But this also didn't get a gold medal. Probably should it have done? Maybe I don't know. Anyway, this is Archer McLean, of course. Archer McLean did this. Did the graphics? Did the code? Title screen for this is Paul Doherty Doc, which is like fist, amazing fist with the plus. It's just everything about this music by Rob Hubbard. You've got an A team of people have come together for this, mm-hmm. and obviously they've taken International Karate, which was their particularly good budget game, really, wasn't it? It was about five ninety five or something like that, wasn't it? Full so price, right, yeah, six seven quid, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a one on one fighter. How do you make a game like that better? You could, if you wanted to, just go for a wander around the world, around the world with one guy and just endlessly fight ninjas who mask people and clowns which you do in fist two <laughs> you could do that um, you could yeah, that's one way that is a way it's not the best yeah. way or you could just do this add a third player to the mix and that's exactly what you get in ik plus so in this you've got some limitations because the backgrounds in the first game were all different cities that you were fighting in i seem to remember there was sydney on there and there was there was others. Yeah, there was eight, cities. i think yeah, yeah. And so, and that's the international, hence the international part. Here, one straightforward background, which is kind of a nice scene, I suppose, a little animated scene with sort of ripples on the water and little spikes. It's just, it's one scene. And you've got your three fighters in the front, all the same size, all the same. Uh, one, you've got the white, blue, and red. And it's kind of a, you, I don't know how you play it, but it's kind of a you versus the two AIs or you and a mate versus the AIs. Or, and you, you've got sort of different modes of play in this, but either way, you've got three players. There's more moves in this as well, or a slight change of moves, but all three players compete at the same time. So instead of the sort of the way that the first game played, you've got uh, this one with three players on the screen instead. There's no slowdown. There's no code issues here. This is the most... I don't actually know fully how they managed to pull this off in the way they did. Because this game, from what the Zap review said, came out of nowhere. So, no, there wasn't a great deal of, of like, hurrah about it. It's like, oh, but yeah, we've done that. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. It's incredible. So yeah. some of the moves have changed. So instead of the turn kick of the first game, you've got in the somersault, you've now got the headbutt, which is hilarious. But it, and I do like a good headbutt. I liked it when he was in a Barbarian. So you've got the flip-flop yes. or the backflip or the whatever you want to call that, and a split jump. 
Uh, we've actually the split jump, which is animated from Cannonball Run, where he's traced it over Jackie Chan when he does the jump split. That's that's that bit. That's where he gets that from. Uh, okay, famously. Yeah, yeah. So, and with the split jump, um, you can actually kick two people down at the same time in the game as well if you get it right. I've never, maybe you've done it in the time. I didn't do it in my replay of this, but it is doable. Yes. All three fighters are the same speed. They've all got the same strength. They've all got the same access to the same moves. You start with six. Well, sorry, you start with zero points, and the more moves you do. Um, it's the first six points to win that particular round. And the fighter with the least points, they say drop out, but he's, he's going to lose out of that. So just as long as it's not you as the main player, you're not going to be out. You Every two survived rounds, so or every time you go through a, a round and you've survived, there's a bonus round, which in this is kind of a ball and shield game where you get these balls flying at you from the left and the right. You've got to bat them away with like a shield. And if you get the survival bonus, you get a load of points. So it's just, and it's just kind of that. The difficulty goes up, I think, you can go all the way up to 25 levels at this. And when you get to level 25, you're at black belts. Because essentially, as you go up, you get you go through the stages of karate and the different belts. The player mm. ante and the AI ante goes up as well. They do get harder. They're not just stood there waiting for you to move. Sometimes they do. Sometimes there's there's different ways these things can play out in this game. The, I think the AI, the AI in this game is actually incredible. Because you never quite know what they're going to do. <laughs> Sometimes they seem to team up. Sometimes they seem to hate each other. Sometimes one of them seems to be trying to sort of trick you and then the other one does the moves. You've got 17 moves in total that you can do, which are all obviously joystick controlled with a combination of the joystick and the fire button. You can actually do combination moves in this as well if you do the movements in the right. So if you do a sequence, if you do a move and then just as it's coming to the end of that move, you go to the next move, it will actually flow and there'll be a flow of moves as well. Incredible that it does all those things. Really smooth animation, really, really clever stuff. That joystick system is the system to use. I think that's the default system. I went straight into this having not played IK for quite a while, but I went straight into it and did not have an issue with this game. Straight to green belt, straight into the fighting moves. It's, it's absolutely instantaneously brilliant. You, I mean, it really is about as good as it gets for control of something. So you can uh, be hitting the head and the chest. You can be hit all over the place. Obviously, there's the classic cock punch in here as well, which is a real satisfying pounding sound in this one as well. It's Incredible, yeah, really. it is, yes. But you've got all these different moves you can do. If you get the player from behind and you kick them down or you kick them or punch them from behind, so you can also do a, a bum punch, which looks very painful. The way he crumbles <laughs> to the ground, it's no wonder he does, really. Um, but if you do that, you only get half the points if you go around beating people up from uh, behind. You've got to face people on. You know, always look at your opponent in the eyes. Always in eye, says Mr. Mickey, don't he? Always looking eye, looking eye. Um, so the game does <laughs> <All> get <right>. progressively. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi says it. The game does get All progressively right. harder. Like I said, you go up to 20. You, you, you just keep going. So you'll play the round. As long as you can stay in the game, as long as you aren't the person at the bottom of the fight, um, when the little uh, referee appears and issues the score, then you're going to be just carrying on and carrying on and carrying on. Things are going to get more difficult and things are going to get more difficult. Each round lasts about 30 seconds. So you've got, you're on a timer. So you can, you can knock your opponents out and win the round. And if you do that, you get a time bonus. But if it just goes to time, then it's just the person who's got the most punches or kicks in and has scored the most points in that round is the one that goes through at the top. Second is second. If you last well, you're going to have a rough time. So everything about this game, I think, is, is it's all about the polish for me with this. This game absolutely shouts polish and finish. The animations on the players are amazing. The size of the sprites are really good. I think they're about the same size as IK. I think they're much, yeah. I don't think they're bigger. They might maybe slightly smaller. I'm not sure. I, I didn't compare it, but I think they're about the same. But there's no slowdown on this. <laughs> the players all move really fast. Or at the same speed. You can even increase the speed and vary the speed of play in this game if you use the keys one to five. There's also little tricks you can do. There's loads of little keyboard things. So you can press some of the keys, TGCVB. That changes the colors of the sunsets and stuff in the background. 
if you press E plus S or E and S, uh, you can make the player drop their pants and silly stuff like that. If you just stand there doing nothing, he'll do that anyway. Or he'll look at you, like got these hands go down, it gives you this kind of gums look, which I think is inherited from IK. But all of these little all these little sequences, all of these little nuances, these little things are all pumped along by a really good it's not my favourite Rob Hubbard soundtrack, I have to say, and that's only because I actually do like the International Karate soundtrack. But I don't like these kind of weird remixy soundtracks that have been coming out. And um, I didn't like Avidis A Monty for that reason. I didn't particularly like um, the game that we looked at in the last one, which was Mega Apocalypse, oh, which has Mega that kind of remixy one. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But this one, it's because it's in the background, because it's not massively obtuse and it's not not shouting at you. Because Mega Apocalypse shouted at you. This one doesn't do that. It does kind of move the game along, which is kind of what you want it to do. The sound effects in this Rob amazing grunts punches whack sounds they're all really really good and they sound brilliant when you're playing it so this game is brilliant in one player the longevity is something you can question i suppose you know but if you if you're going to play these games you know what you're going into and the the challenge of this is to get the scores and to get those belts and to get you can get better at these games you can you can block in this game and you can do it's not just about jumping in there and scrapping it out you can actually block and and you can you can think about where you're going to be in the moves and you can and you can pull off some blinding little cheeky moves as well so the player will just jump in and a quick swift punch to the face or a high kick can take him down it's just brilliant so this is one of my absolute favorite games on the combo 64 right up in like nearly the top perhaps it's it, it, they cycle through this is absolutely one of my favorite games and it's one of my favorite games ever but it's certainly one of my favorite games on the c64 it's utterly brilliant in almost every way i genuinely like all the look and feel and the way it plays the way the animations the players everything about the control is is as it should be. There's no bugs. There's no lagginess. There's no stupid story. No story arc really to follow or anything daft like that. It is exactly what you want it to be. A two-on-one, one-on-two fighting game with really clever AI, really good graphics, really well animated, really interesting stuff going on in the background. Everything about this game serves the game's purpose. It does the one thing that it's meant to do incredibly well. It is de facto I think one of the greatest fighting games of all time, certainly on the C64, it's better than any of all the others. And that takes some doing to do that. So there's something I don't like about this game. It's a technical showcase of how to code a game on the C64 because everything in this is incredibly optimized. This stuff, I, I still don't know how he's doing some of that stuff. It's such a brilliantly programmed game. I can't uh, rave about this enough. It just didn't get a gold medal. Again, Sizzler though. It was a Sizzler, but 93%. Yeah, 93, I don't it? know. Yeah. I, re- I really, really like International Crate, but it's on every format. I've played this on pretty much everything. I still go back to the C64 version because I think it's brilliant. What about you? Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna, there's not too much to add to that. I think you pretty much covered everything. Um, it's, I find it interesting that Archie McLean, he only made three games for the C64. I always thought he made more, but he only made three. And he's got, you've got the best defender game in Drop Zone and the best two fighting games. Absolutely. It's quite, it's quite the record, really. You know, International Karate, IK Plus, Defender, uh, sorry, Drop Zone. There you go. And the, the thing with IK Plus is it's that, isn't it? It's, it's International Karate Plus One, and that one is another fighter. But it, yep. that, that other fighter ups the ante so much more. It, it's more than just plus one. It's, it's, um, it's it's I can't remember what's the exponentially better because it just yes. does loads more. It feels more chaotic. It's more ferocious. It's more visceral. It's more unpredictable, and it's probably more difficult as well because of all that. So everything mm. you think, oh, just adding one more character. Well, it's just one more character, but three fighters on screen suddenly. You've got people coming at you from, you know, there could be, you could team up, especially once you get, especially if you do one versus one versus computer. That I think is where it really shines this game. But even one yes. versus two computers, they're not working together all the time. Like I said, sometimes they'll just beat the crap out of each other and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. From a technical perspective, it's incredible. I mean, one of the characters is made by bitmap characters sprites. It's like, it's not even sprites. Mind boggling. I don't, it's, yeah, because I've right. It just boggles my mind. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he did it. Well, how do you, it's not even sprites. What? How do you animate characters like, like that? Uh, add on to that the speed at which it plays 
like you've noted, the options to speed it up or slow it down, the constant fighting, which I mean by that is like not being out. If you come second, it's a really nice, just come second. As long as you come second, you keep going. And that's really all you yeah, need to true. do. The, the mini game in the middle is great fun. You know, making the trousers fall down, changing the background colors, the little fish, the spider animations in the background. It's all brilliant. It's the pinnacle, as you rightly said, of C64 fighting games, without a doubt. It is the best one. I was looking forward to getting to this, hoping it was still as good as I remembered. And it is. It's ace. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Barbarian. I enjoyed my time with Inchos to Cry. I enjoyed my time with Way of the Explaining Fist. This is just something else, and it's because of that third character. And I'm try- I was trying to think... I think, you know, when Street Fighter lands or Street Fighter 2 lands mm. in about a, a, three years down the line, it's about 1990, is it Street Fighter 2, 89, 90? Something like that. Um, something like 91, something like that. That obviously sets in stone fighting game. That is the thing sort of thing. And, but it always like, to me, it's like the road not traveled is the more characters on screen. Yes. Um, you know, and this is a good example. And I was trying to think of some others that do that. And there's, there was Power Stone, but that was 3D on the Dreamcast, which had four players all duking it out and fighting against each other. But I, ca- I can't think of many other pure fighting games that have more than just, you know, your, mul- your Mortal Kombat's are just one-on-one. Uh, can you think of any others that do more than just one-on-one? No, I can't. I honestly yeah. can't. So, and I feel it's such a, 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 a technical thing that's not been a, 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 a furrow that's not been plowed. It's like, just look at this and just see how much more it adds to it by having more people on, involved yeah. in a fight at any one Absolutely time. It does. But you know, once we, I suppose, once you get past, you get past Street Fighter Two, um, and you get into your, you know, your virtual fighters and your Tekkens and all like that, the it's kind of cemented. Camera, the cameras get a bit weird there, don't they? Yeah, and I, I imagine three, it would. But, but like I said, it, t- t- Power Stone is a 3D game on the Dreamcast where the camera is sort of a bit more dynamic and it moves around and you're picking up stuff and hitting people. And that's four player. That was quite a laugh. And I suppose mm. you've got things recently like um, Gang Beasts and stuff which do that kind yeah. of that, that crazy that crazy multi multiplayer fighting and things like Fall Guys and stuff, which is kind of going down that road a little bit. But for pure flat 2D multi action stuff, this shows it could work. Can, I mean, I suppose you could, the log- if you take this logic a little bit further, you've got your Ninja Guidance and your and your games like because you are it's one player against multi fighting people. Well, that's more down the beat up kind of. You know, but, it's yeah, more down the street, we'll, we'll, we'll not, not the sort of side 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 scrolling one, not side scrolling, but side on. 2D fighting like IK Plus, there isn't many, if any. Right, I really can't think of any. No, I can't. No, I mean, Ninja Gaiden and stuff, that comes from another game that we'll be talking about in this episode. Yes, yeah, there is. There. Oh, yeah, we've got the beginning of something quite interesting there, but yeah. Yeah, so that that's that. But it, this sort of standard single screen, side-on, beating people up. You had tagged teams, so you had like the Dead or Alive 2, which are like to tagging and stuff, but it's still not, still not, you know, and thingy, I think there was, was, was one of the, I can't remember. But anyway, it's a strange one. And it's a weird, weird one that no one ever, no one ever attempted it beyond this, I think, which is a strange, no. strange um, omission. Crazy. But uh, yeah, best fighting game on C64 by a country mile, as far as I'm concerned. Because it's just fun. Yep. If we ever do like some together you know stuff where we actually play some games together for either for youtube or whatever this will definitely be one of them you'll probably oh, kick my ass yeah i remember you used to kick my ass on this on the amiga all the time um, yeah i got quite good at this i mean even it's did. like i say yeah. on, on my first play when i replayed it for this podcast i went straight to greenbelt got twenty thousand points all oh, right yeah you're gonna beat <laughs> the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> it's just, i don't know why i've just always had a bit of i think it's because i played it so much i did play this a lot yeah i know you even did. on the amiga yeah. loads yeah loads and loads there we go Good one to start with. That's IK Plus. Makes up for the last <laughs> last month. Only one big game. There you go. Yay. Yay. Let's move along. So I'm sure the next one will do just as good. Because it's another um it's another, you know, it's another sports game. This is on cue. 
on Q. This is three pounds. Is a uh, Massatronic added dimension. So it's for this. It's this is two. You may call them pool and snooker. I call them two ball and stick games for the price of one in this Massatronic added dimension release. It's two ninety nine. Um, I couldn't find out for definite who did the C sixty four version. Um, for this, there's no list I could find. According to Moby Games, though, someone called Sean Dubray did the Spectrum, Atari, and C sixteen versions. Uh, so I'm going to hazard right. a guess he probably did the C64 version as well, uh, okay. but I can't say for sure. I couldn't. It did say the names on all the cassette kit versions as well, but I couldn't find a shot of the back of the case, so I'm not sure. Uh, what I can say for sure, though, is that this is not a good version of either stick and ball game. So both pool and snooker to you and I, and it's not good. It's a top-down rendition of pool and snooker, okay? So each game, and for some reason, each game must be loaded separately. I don't know why. Considering they're very similar, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, why must I load pool and snooker? Just, just it's not that much different. But we'll we'll, we'll come to some of these idiosyncrasies in a bit because the view of each game is pretty much identical. You know, by the balls on the table, the physics in each mode are the same as well. Um, I can only assume all those rules are taking up oh so much memory. But very, very, very. Yep, loads yeah, of loads of rules. rules. Anyway, whatever the reason, pick your chosen stick and ball game and load it up. Uh, what you're greeted with on load is a top-down view of the table. Um, and now here is where the problems start. So no matter whether you pick pool or snooker, the size of the table is the same and so are the balls. So that means you're either playing snooker on a six-foot table or pool on a 12-foot table or maybe on some table in the middle, say a nine-foot table. Error. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. Snooker and pool need very different table sizes. I mean, pool is, you know, a chunky, chunky, you know, the, the cushions are chunkier, pockets are bigger, and, you know, in a pool table, and you go to a snooker table, and it's much different. It's 12 foot, it's double the size. But so, yes, yeah, having both on the same size shows that maybe not a lot of care and attention went into this. Anyway, we're greeted with the table, and on the table are the balls, which are basically just, they're just character graphics, you know, representing either colors. So they're just those round, the round circle character graphic. That's it. That's your balls. So they're either the colours in snooker or what? What look? I'm going to I'm going to be kind here and just say the spots and stripes, but it's whatever that whatever was used Noughts for the and crosses um, on it. <laughs> Noughts, yeah, noughts and full ons. Whatever. I don't know what they were. So you've got some options of play, uh, which are one player against the computer or two players, or you can leave it and watch a demo. Should you play against the computer, you get to pick its skill level from one to nine, one being the easiest, and you can also choose to set up trick shots if you so desire, but you won't want to do this. So best just to leave that as it <laughs> no, was. You won't. You're not, you're not going to want to do that. No. So what once the game starts, you move across a little cross here around the table to indicate where you want to hit the white ball. So that's you play, you know, you press fire. That's the direction it's going to go. Then you choose your spin by holding up, down, left, or right. You press fire, and then it goes to how much power you wish to impart. It starts in the middle. You can do less or more. You know, move this bar, move this bar along. Once you press the fire, the cue ball that moves off on its way, the way you've aimed. And this is where the, the next and the problem, probably bigger issue, rears its head. The physics. So the physics in this game are like nothing I've seen in this world. I mean, they they make that Steve Davis's uh, weighty but bo- you know thing look like proper weighty balls and whatever. Balls will speed up or slow down in this on collision with no real coherence or thought for friction and loss of speed. There's no. There's, no, there's nothing. They'll just sometimes they'll just stop or sometimes they'll hit a cushion as if it's a pinball flipper. They'll gain speed and race across the table. I've never seen a ball hit a cushion and speed up in real life. It just <laughs> you know those <laughs> in this house we obey the laws of dynamics whatever <laughs> yes, um, exactly uh, the sound effects that accompany all this random ball bouncing are scratchy and horrible and there's little reward for trying to line up your shots because lining up your shots is also very hard because it's character graphics so the cross is just a, a plus sign um, and thus you know you can see where this is leading the resolution of the C64 has you very little in the way of fine tuning you've only got you know the, the balls are like a few pixels across so you're like uh 
trying to line up anything is just a nightmare. So, no, this is not very good. We've yet to see even a whiff of a decent pull game or snook on this machine, and this really does nothing to change that. No different size tables, two games, same size balls, awful physics. Uh, even for three quid, it's a poor offering and should be quickly forgotten about. If you want to play pool, go to a pub. You'll have way more fun and you won't be playing it on a 12-foot table. That's, <laughs> and that's it. This was awful. Three, this was really bad. 28% it got. I, mean, I suppose that's 14% a game. But yeah, yeah maybe. Did you uh, enjoy your time being on cue? No. No, 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 no. No, I did not. A very tiny, tiny, like you say, tiny table. I spotted that straight. I'm like, oh, this is, that's strange. And I, and it's just tiny, tiny everything. <laughs> Very flicky as well. When you hit the ball, there's kind of flickiness. And because it's characters, they kind of sometimes sort of flick and disappear. And it's all a bit horrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes, it's two games in. I say two games in one. It's two games in two. Um, But neither of these games are any good. Um, And they've got, like, like, exactly as you described, they've both inherited exactly this, well, many of the same problems. The principal one being, this is Newton's worst nightmare in terms of bloody physics. (laughs) He'd jump up by his grave and go, good Lord. That's not how you play stickball. <laughs> he spat in his grave, hit the side and came off quicker. <laughs> <laughs> he would, yeah. He was just back banging his head against the wall for ages. And then it, just no, 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 no. The physics is all over the shop. But that's because this isn't an application of physics. This is some kind of application of, I don't know what they are. But none of the balls have the mass and the weight that are needed to indicate that they would have slowdown and friction. And so those things don't apply. So what you end up with is what you get, which is this flicky ping pong-esque affair. With yeah. tiny ping pong balls pinging everywhere. You hit, I hit one shot and it was, it must have taken five minutes for the balls to stop moving. They were <laughs> constantly going. I'm like, am I, is this ever going to stop? Is this, I've discovered perpetual motion. It just cannot be stopped. Maybe like, this is just space. stupid. It, yeah, well, this, we say it, that it, about it, Steve Davis's as well. It's, it's exactly what we said. I, you know, you need weighty balls for this. The sound effects, <laughs> they were really weird. It's meant to be balls clipping and clacking together. It sounded like a tiny marching band drummer was trapped in a cupboard. It's like, tapping to get out. Help, I'm trapped. I mean, it's just terrible. Each slope was plodding. Each turn, sorry, was plodding and slow and it took ages to do anything. Moving that cross was stupid because you had to move the white ball first, which was a mysterious affair anyway. Moving that way around was like, what the hell? I pushed up and it didn't go. I'm like, no, I'm not going up. I'm like, so I pushed it to the left and then I could push up. I'm like, what? What rules are you following here? <laughs> and then when I aimed with the cross, it seemed pointless. It was arbitrary, as was the power. I put that power to full blast. Now, I assumed that at full blast, that would shatter the other balls it was going to hit because this <laughs> thing was... I would. I did it I previously played, and when I played the pool game, I did a shot at about three-quarter power, and it was just went on forever. These balls bouncing everywhere. It just didn't stop. <laughs> then when I did the uh, the snooker game and did the same thing on full power, thinking I better break these you know, the, the balls at the beginning the of the game, yeah. with a, yeah, the pack with a little bit of gusto, I may as well just, I don't know what happened. It just went plod, <laughs> clicky, 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 and the drummer started. I'm like, this is, what is this shite? It's crap. And you can't gauge any angles from that stupid cross. I tried, I got a, a red a ball that was right over the pocket. I mean, uh, nobody could have missed that. Even a chimpanzee on a bad day would have would have been able to get that on a real table. I put my magic X over the direction of the event. It just went off and clipped the ball on the left and it just started ricocheting and bouncing and bouncing and ricocheting all over the place. I'm like, how did you end up there? How did that happen? This is not possible anyway. It was crap. So utter rubbish, load of shite, avoid on all counts. 28% yeah. of shit. Rubbish. Indeed. Off, off, off cue. Yes. Off with its cue. <laughs> Indeed. Well, there'll be no more stick and ball for you. You'll get the ball on, you get stick on your balls. That's what I say. Anyway, what a crap thing. What a crap, crap thing. So that's uh, on cue. Rubbish. Let's move along quickly. Let's get out of this uh, dodgy uh, pool hall and get into something more different. 
Graham, did you enjoy frequenting the land of Neverwhere? The land of Neverwhere is coded by Richard Palmer. <laughs> I don't is, know why I said it, it like is. that. It is coded by <laughs> Richard Palmer. The graphics by John Palmer. I'm guessing that no relation. Maybe they are related. I don't know. Richard Palmer did New Zealand story in the end. Well, he, he did some. He did the code for it. He went, yeah, he went on to do some interesting stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and then John Palmer did Target Renegade and Rastan graphics. So the Palmers, everyone, the Palmers, hey, the Palmers, everyone. Anyway, so this is one ninety nine. I don't know who released it. Is is it Powerhouse? It's, this? Yeah, it's Powerhouse because it's a Powerhouse release. Powerhouse release. So after the Great Battle of Fang, Adrian, um, <laughs> space children need rescuing. <laughs> this story, been... <laughs> the back, the back of this case, because <laughs> they got <laughs> stranded in the hidden silos around home base terror. Don't call it that. Don't call you. Home. I mean, home base is expensive, but I wouldn't say it was terror. But just the idea of children getting trapped in a home base seems a bit, doesn't seem that bad. The, the store gets open the next day and people go in and go, how long have you been in here? And it's all fun and games, not in this forever, world though. Forever. They've got to be rescued at all costs before. Uh, so as a single mercenary, you, you've been sent to recover these children from whence they have been trapped. This is done by guiding the space kids to the building on the right side of the planet while avoiding all of the inhabitants that might otherwise thwart your journey. As a mercenary, you can fire bullets to destroy the various things that come at ye. But if you come into contact with them, you'll lose some ego points. Your ego. Why <laughs> ego points? Why <laughs> this those? Weird. This game's really weird. <laughs> really strange everything quits and you that's it if you run out of ego well you can't you can't rescue children with no ego it seems i don't i've never found myself wanting to say those words but there they are they're out there now <laughs> um so the space kids run into an inhabitant is kicked out into space and the mercenary goes back to where he entered the planet so you're back to the beginning again if that happens it never happened to me did it happen to you i don't know so you've yeah, got yeah, a, yeah. basically you, you've got there's the graphics the game plays out you've you got a little tiny tiny kid with you which i could make go up and down in some weird way by pressing down it went up Sure, what yeah, that was all bottom, about. Bottom right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and you've got to sort of just walk to the right. It's one of these games where you go, go to the right, just go to the right and take the kid to the end of that level. And then when you get to the next level, you've got another one to do and the same, 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 same. So you're kind of being followed by these things and you get attacked by the sprites. Some of the graphics and the mainstay of the game are, are, are okay. You're not, this is 199's worth of graphics here, so it's not going to set everything light, but it's, it's all right. But some of the enemy sprites, on the other hand, I just don't think they bothered with them. They're like, well, we need enemy sprites. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I'll just So you end up with this weird concoction of Christ knows what coming at you. You're like, <laughs> yes. You look like a kind of thing, like a person thing, and you've got a little child thing following you around. Those things in the background are kind of coherent, a coherent logical space to be in, those things. So... You know, um, when you're running through home base, or go to home base, or out of home base, something to do with home base, you encountering these crazy things. I don't, it's just really weird. This whole thing's a bit weird. It said in the Zap review, beware the faded disc jockey that kills on contact. I, I don't know what they mean by that, and I never came across that, but... <laughs> I'm guessing with the obscurity of some of these graphics, that's what they interpret as one of them. And that didn't yeah, happen probably. to me, I have to say. So once you get through to the other side, it's just the same thing. Go go left, right, make sure you don't die, shoot things. You're probably not going to get there very easily because it's, it's quite hard to do. But it's one ninety nine. Graphics were okay, very repetitive. You're going to get bored of it. But is it going to last two hours for that Sunday afternoon treat? I don't know that I'll call it a treat. And I don't think it <laughs> needed this weird, stupid game world that they placed it in i just it's a fairly simple left to right thing isn't it it's not it's kind of a shooter with not much to do bit boring i lost interest pretty quickly in it i have to say 199 maybe pass an afternoon for somebody back then but there's better 199 games for a start this got 59 percent. i think he's probably a bit generous really but that's what i thought and that's for the sound where some of the sounds are there's parts of this game that are all right but mostly it's just really weird and boring and not really not interesting what about you yeah 
Well, just to uh, finish off the plot, by the way, written on the back of the on the back of the box, but it posts this in the agenda. It says uh, after yeah, the, the, in home base terror, the next part of the back of the box says, "Mankind's only hope was to send you like a fool. You volunteered, but then what was left after what the sharks did in Canada?" <laughs> explains a great deal about this game <laughs> that's what really? it says that's literally what it says it. on the back of the box what did the sharks do in canada <laughs> i think i don't think i think someone got distracted when they were writing that <laughs> do, do, is this right for the back of the box yeah 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 yeah. it's fine it's fine just just do it just run yeah, it yeah, yeah just, just get, get it out there we need the money sharks canada uh at least we now know what our wonder will be for this episode <laughs> at the yes, end of our blurb yes what did yes. the Sharks do in Canada? Anyway, it's another weird and wonderful budget release from Powerhouse. Caesars escorting toddlers across a single level. Single level that's being beset by, as you've rightly pointed out, an odd assortment of enemy sprites. And there's not much else to this one. You run whilst holding top right and you keep shooting. Every now and again, you must make the baby jump over land-based enemies by, pu- by pushing bottom right. Seems weird. And just hope you make it to the end of the level. There are eight toddlers to rescue and your energy is measured by your ego, as you said. I want what they were smoking when this game was formulated. Well, I think we know what they were smoking. This must have been on something because I just don't get it. The visuals are okay, it's a bit chunky and murky. The title screen's music is not that great. It seems to be dug out in 1985 somewhere, I thought. It was kind of one of the sort of a bit of a throwback in the music states. Uh, the game has an ending, though, if you get all eight toddlers to the end and you yeah, can see them does. blast off in a rocket. So that's something, I guess. Yeah, it's not yeah, terrible, this. There's just not much to it, as you've said, and it gets old really quickly. Um, so, yeah, 50, it's in the 50s. It's around there. 59, maybe. Just go to an actual home base. <laughs> yeah, and, and and face the terror and wonder what the sharks have, what the sharks did. Go to a home base, um, and just go to the end of an aisle and just walk to the right constantly <laughs> and try and, and try and get a, and not avoid anyone in the way until you can get to the yeah, end. And also, you know. as well, if you if you've got a child with you, just lob them up into the air every now and again. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of this game. Um, yeah. Someone though on Lemon Sixty Four noted that this takes twenty-two minutes to load on tape, as it has no turbo. Wow, loader. my gosh, that's a long time. <laughs> Could you imagine that? So when you're saying, would this pass a Sunday afternoon? Yeah, yes, it would. Waiting for it to load very slowly. You'd think it was. You would think it would bro- be broken at that. You would, yeah. I mean, that would take a lot of tape up. Surely it's cheaper yeah, it to write a, a tape, you know, a loader. Oh, anyway, just, it'd be just cheaper know. to get an expert cartridge and freeze it. <laughs> We've seen where <laughs> that madness lies. True. We've seen what happens with that, so let's not say no to that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's average. It'll, it's all right. It's, a, it's two quid. Yeah. It's a two quid run to the writer while, while throwing a baby in the air, <laughs> while avoiding weird DJs and wondering about the sharks. Mm. <sighs> <sighs> And then just throw the baby in the air, man. Yeah, there's, I think there's a significant amount of weed was consumed. Because <laughs> when, you, when you're saying to someone, I mean, it's after the Great Battle of Fang, you know they were completely <laughs> foobard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's not a lot more, is there? There you go. Told you before, the Battle of Fang was between the Battle of Jingjang and the Battle of Wei. <laughs> God's sake, get it right. Get it right. I have to bring up the sharks again. Anyway, Land of Neverwhere, there's what it is. Uh, let's move on. To our next one. This is an arcade conversion. This is Athena. So this is from SNK Corporation, or at least the arcade version was. Whilst the C64 port of the game comes from Imagine, and it's got Alan Short on coding, Simon Butler on visual duties, and Martin Galway on sound. Alan Short had previously done Ya Kung Fu 2 and Mario Brothers. Mm. Well, Simon Butler had previously done previously done Pedro, Shadowfire, okay, Nomad, Magmax, uh, Legend of Cage, A, Highlander, Breakthrough, ah, 
and it's a knockout. So set your quality level to the appropriate level. Princess Athena has been mysteriously transported to the strange and hostile world that is run by the evil Dark Overlord. He wants Athena to engage in a battle with all his minions. So angered, so angered, Athena sets out to destroy everything in her path by um, battling with his minions. <laughs> so doing what he wants. Uh, yeah. Someone didn't think this plot through. No, they uh, did not. Anyway, anyway, uh, the plan is to battle through them all and then beat up the Dark Overlord himself at the end and get back home. So one of the things that this game was very eager to set up um, was Athena as this very sexualized Amazonian warrior. Don't know if you remember the advert from Bob Wakelin. Yeah, I do um, remember the advert. It showed her in very little, very, very little, battling a minotaur, and the loading screen has a, well, I would say an even less, with a sword and shield in hand. Um, all very empowering, I guess, and yes, could see a woman in a kick-ass lead role, but give her some clothes. For God's sake, just, you know, just get cold. Give her some clothes. However, all that imagery is not really represented in the game to any degree. But we'll get to that in a bit, I guess. So once the game loads, you have a very bare-bones title screen uh, with a couple of the Athena sprites, one with and one without a helmet, which you can pick up in the game. Uh, basically, on either side of the word Athena, which is just the word Athena in character, you know, just written, like no, no particular thing given to that. And below the credits, uh, and press fire to play. So off you go. The title screen music by Galway. Ah, it's not very good, is it? Uh, I thought it's a bit of a phoned-in version of Part of Parallax after the slightly terracrestery style opening. That's what I thought. And it only goes on for about two minutes before it loops back. Like, it's been going to the Dave Whitaker School of Music. <laughs> so after starting the game, you just drop down from the sky to the world below. Literally, you just appear in the sky on the first screen and, and drop to the floor. So what this does, it completely omits the cutscene from the arcade. Because in the arcade, the princess is kind of wa- walking along a, in a palace and she finds this window. It's like a mysterious window. And she opens it, climbs in and falls down this huge, like a really long chute to the world below and that's where the, the dark overlord has got her in this now you just you just drop from the, the sky like okay the other thing you'll notice at this point um is the sprites and the background and how they are a complete and utter mismatch mismatch Mish, mismatch sorry so in, in the so i said that about that over sexualization of her in the adverts and that title screen and the, the the actual arcade game she's quite a cute little princess you know it's a little princessy sprite kind of you know like um uh, you know, Mario style, you know, that kind of 90, mid-1986 style of character. It is what it is. N- n- chunky and, and looks cool and everything like that. Yeah, I don't know why they went for those. Yeah, I don't know why they look for, went for this kind of um, over-sexualized drawings like they did anyway. Um, but here, the backgrounds, they're fairly chunky, they're, but they're okay. They're colorful. Um, just trees, essentially. And there's some silhouettes of the woods behind them. And it works quite well. They're, they're quite nice. They're very actually quite similar to the arcade in, in they're quite decent the sprites though i don't know why they've done chosen this that for some reason they're single color they're just white all of them are just white and athena has gone gone from looking like an amazon obviously which is you know all this marketing to basically she looks like a schoolgirl in this complete with a little flick of hair at the front and i thought it's but i just thought it looked terrible um and that's before we come to the monsters themselves so the monsters themselves, they're, they're a weird mix of creatures that amble back and forth. In the arcade, again, they're much more defined as like these kind of weird sort of creature type things. But here they're pig-type things, the lizard men, and things in between. And and I think in order to try and render them properly, they've gone for this high-res look. But there's ways of doing that. We've seen better high-res sprites. You look at things like Heartland and things like that. The C64 and artists are quite capable of doing you know, high-res overlays over multi, multi-color sprites. It's not something that's not been seen before. So I don't know why they've gone for this, this look here. There's also really large things, round things that trundle about, and I couldn't work out what they are. And those small ghost-type things that beetle about the floor as well. It's all just white. There's no variation. 
No different colors, just white. It's a strange choice to have gone for this, and I don't think it works at all. Um, yeah, so anyway, you get past them, we get past the visuals, we get to how, how does this game play. So, like that last one we just played, Land of Neverwhere, uh, this is a walk to the right kind of thing. And I thought it owed a lot to Super Mario Brothers. Um, in the fact, the main thrust of the game is to destroy blocks either with a weapon, which you get from killing the creatures wandering about, or your helmet from underneath once you find it, so you can jump into them, like smashing blocks from underneath like Mario would do. Uh, you make your way to the right, avoiding or killing monsters, destroying blocks and picking up power-ups as you go in order to aid your quest. But And here's the biggest problem. It controls. Not only does it look bad, it controls terribly. At first, you've got no weapon, so you have to flail with your feet to hopefully kill one of the pig-type creatures and hope they drop a club, which you can then use to bash through the blocks and that block your way. So you've got to kill. You're kind of trapped in this opening section before you kill something that drops a pickup. Now, they won't always drop it, so you might have to kill a few of them. So the problem is the collision detection and attacks are so bad. You, you'd be hammering on the fireball. They'll just walk through it. Half the time they'll just walk through you and damage you. So you've got an energy bar. Um, so whilst the other half, they will be killed, uh, but then another spawns almost instantly. And there's no guarantee they'll, they'll drop the weapon. And so you, you're just stuck trying to not get hit, which is almost impossible. So it's, and, and that continues, whether you're fighting with your feet, a club, hammer, anything, whatever you pick up, the collision detection quite often just doesn't work. It reminded me of that Shaolin's Road um, because we had the same issue in that mm. game as well um, in that the meat of the game, the attacking and killing the minions is just fundamentally broken. So it's almost impossible to really progress as your health bar, which is in the minimalist UI at the top of the screen, which basically got your health bar and and um, I think and some, an armor bar if you get some armor and as you score as well and your number of lives. So your health is just soon whittled down and you, you just have to start all over again. Um, and, it, you know, it doesn't feel enjoyable. I saw Zap were really quite good about this. They, they gave it 76% and kind of were like, oh, you've got to be another joke. It's a bit of a joke. It's a bit funny, this game. It's a bit weird and wacky and wonderful. But yeah, but it plays like crap. Um, I never saw Athena in the arcade. Never came across this in the arcade at all. Um, so I had, you know, so I went and had a look at it, and it just looks like one of those. You know, it came out in 1987, It just looks like one of those so-so 1987 arcade games that you probably stick a few ten pences in. But it was wasn't as good as um, it looked like a, a you know. I'd rather play Rygar, um, which is along those kind of lines. So it's run to the right and do something. Rygar was more interested in games like that. But this conversion is just another one that, you know, unfortunately, it's just broken at the core. The actual fundamental game, you can't kick stuff. The levels are well designed and they are a faithful representation of the arcade. And the, the background graphics are, are the best thing about this. All in all, those levels look like the arcade levels. So they've done a really, really good job of those background graphics. But whereas in the arcade, hitting the creatures also, yeah. So in the arcade, if you hit the creatures like we saw in Challenge Road, it knocks them back. So it pushes them back. They get hit and they get knocked back. So here it does nothing. They just carry on walking or they die. Uh, there's no feedback, again, to whether you were successful or not. Um, like I said, Zap seemed to think it was something a bit funny. It's just not. It's a poor conversion where the fundamental mechanics are broken. So this game felt painful to play. Uh, this was another one in the Legend of Cage et al. pile for me. God knows how this got 76%. I thought this was you know, re a really poor conversion and I didn't enjoy it at all. What about you? Am I being too harsh or... No, or not? No, no. I mean, I'd, I'd never come across the arcade, really. I, I went and had a look like you on YouTube. I like generally like SNK arcades. I like their pixel style. You know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's a style and, and they get really good at it as well. And there's some and amazing do, stuff in they there. They do metal, metal slug. Metal slug and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you know that these guys can pixel paint. And so it is that of that genus. 
the C64 version could have been, but I think there's somewhere somewhere they made a decision to just make the main sprites, like you say, pure white and kind of high res, and it doesn't work. So the game just feels really tonally weird from that moment. From the from the moment that it starts with that really odd music, you know, that it's like, what is this strange gameplay where I found myself just wandering around because I didn't get a, like you said, I didn't get a club straight away. So I'm just kind of thinking, what am I doing? I just got kind of got stuck. And then there's the graphics on top of that where you look like you're kind of playing ghosts, really. Um, yes. So it all feels a bit weird. It looks nothing like the SNK arcade, really, that's for sure. The backgrounds maybe, like you say, but everything else, absolutely no way. And it doesn't play like that either from what I saw. I haven't played the arcade, I only watched the YouTube, but it didn't look, any, look like you were going to get any kind of equitable experience, really. Backdrops, maybe, okay. But, you know, if that's the best you could say about this game, that the backgrounds are okay. No, that, what about everything else? Yeah. Um, mm. I think they just made some really calamitous choices in this. My, my sixth sense is telling me that somewhere this game was unfinished, rushed out, something went wrong somewhere. Because there's some talent behind this that have done better. So I'm not quite sure. Maybe they haven't. I'd, I'd just Maybe this is just another nail in their crappy coffin. I don't know. But I didn't really, really like this. Zap's review seems to be the indicate that, you know, if you persevere with this, you get the best out of it, like you said. And no, oh, it's hilarious. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what they were playing, but it's, it certainly wasn't the game I played. Um, so I don't think it's worth the pain of, of anything. I just found this enjoyable to look at and to listen to. And for me, that was a blocker right from the get-go for full price. No, thank you. No, I, I, I don't know how this got the review it got. It's easily in the 30s to me, maybe less. No good. Yeah, it's a, it's another one of those poor, poor arcade conversions. Another yeah, one this for is, our it is award crap. that we'll have at the end of the year. It is, yeah. It's going to be in there. Um, and I'm a big fan. Of, I'm an advocate of the SNK type pixel art. I've got a big the big book of um, all their pixel metal slug, the metal slug, amazing metal slug book um, with all of their graphics in it. It's a, it's a book I enjoy looking at because I love that artwork style. I love it. And mm-hmm. when I looked at the arcade, I'm like, wow. Now, even though it's early, you know, you can see the, the you know, where it goes and what style that's going to lead to. Not in the C64 version with its ghostly, spooky, white schoolgirl sprite. And by the way, an interesting aside is that the the cover, the famous Bob Wakelin art cover, um, the inspiration for that drawing is from a female bodybuilder image. Uh, it's a female bodybuilder called Lisa Lyon. Um, and there's a famous okay. picture of her stood in the exact same place. I've posted the link in the um, show notes, but and we'll post it on the show notes for us, but I've posted it in our sort of shared notes. But you'll see, it's, it's not just inspiration. He's basically drawn that one. Oh, yeah, because I can see, yeah. So well, that's Lisa Lyon for you. So there you go, just as an interesting little footnote. Other, anything, anything else for this game? Pantaloons! <laughs> <laughs> well, lack of pantaloons in those adverts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. No pantaloons. No, no, no pantaloon, none. <laughs> uh, yeah, Athena, Athena. Yep. There we go. Uh, let's move along. We've got one more left for this section, and then we're done and into the music. So let's move in quickly. And Graham, we've got a mathematical, we're going to go all mathematical on this one, and you're going to tell us or explain to us exactly what pi r squared is all about. So pi r squared is a puzzle game programmed by Dave Healy, graphics by Lee Corley, music by Jazz Seabrook. And they might have done other stuff. I didn't think to look, really. I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't. Anyway. Because <laughs> you're a lazy, uh, lazy man. <laughs> lazy, because I was t- too busy in this game. So the object of the game is to travel around the cogs of your mind, the cogs and wheels of your own minds, and collect um, formulae, um, which are um, all held in kind of these circular things. I'll sort of explain it a bit better in a minute, but the idea of the game is that you... Um, you've got to collect all the geometric formulae for your Professor Brain Storm, or Professor Brian Storm, actually. Um, before each level, um, the required formula is displayed for a little time, and then you get into the game where your memory components, which are spinning cogs or spinning wheels, cogs, 
um, you are sort of positioned in one of those and you can navigate your way around the spinning cogs by control by controlling sort of as you go around the cog, you can then join the next cog and you can and you can sort of navigate them by where they join. So the, as the two cogs are joined in the middle, you can sort of flip to the side and obviously some of them are spinning to the round to the right clockwise, some of them are spinning anti-clockwise. And the idea is that um, in the middle of all of these cogs or wheels, there's the um, component parts of the formula that you were shown before the level starts. And the idea is that you've got to navigate around, spin around an entire 360 around each of the parts in order, in sequence, to sort of collect them so that once you've collected that formula, you get to the next stage, go deeper into your own mind, and then you've got to collect an even more complicated formula, which, again, you're shown at the beginning. And then after that, it's back into the cogs and wheels of your mind, and you've got to navigate across the cogs and wheels of your mind. There are alternative thoughts, your thoughts in there, that will hamper you and get in your way and slow you down. Um, So... You can also um, speed yourself up and slow yourself down in the wheels as well by utilizing the joystick. And I can't remember if it was fire button to speed up or up down. I can't remember the, the controls off the top of my head now for some reason. But you can control this speed because some of the things that are under the baddies, I suppose we want to call them, they're actually spinning on some of these cogs themselves. And you've got to sort of avoid them. But sometimes you've got to go on a cog that has a bit of the formula on it. So you've got to sort of navigate your way around and time. It's all about timing and getting around and doing those things. There's also other objects that are in the middle of the cogs that you can spin around to help you. So there's a calculator which you can you can collect, which will increase your speed. There's a book which increases your IQ. There's a little hammer thing which stuns the, some of your stray thoughts that might be in your way, um, and that allows you to sort of navigate it quicker. And there's a trash can which allows you to pick up the sum of the formulae out of sequence. If you get it um, out of sequence, I think you lose IQ points or you slowly, slowly start to lose your IQ in this game. And if you lose too much IQ, well... It ain't going to end well. You become an imbecile. <laughs> so you become yes. really stupid. So that's kind of the game. It's, it's a fairly logical puzzle game, um, which presentationally is quite nice. And it's, the music and everything, it's not amazing, but it's quite a nice puzzle with a unique twist. Um, I quite liked my time playing it. The graphics are okay, and they, the movement of those things is fine, and the way you spin around the things is fine. It's a little bit frustrating sometimes because it feels like there's needless things in your way, and... To sort of the push to go faster and to pull this to pull back to go slower and I think to go it, sometimes the controls you end up doing the wrong thing at the wrong moment and suddenly you're speeding up at the wrong moment you're like ah oh, damn it I need to go down there and it just feels I think there's a time limit on each of the things I think you've got to do it within I would think I want to say two minutes but I could have that confusion of the game but I think you've got to do it within a certain time limit as well mm-hmm. um, so you've got to get through get through cogs of your mind do this get, try and get the formula which you've got to remember by the way because you're only shown it for a snippet of time before each each level um, now I quite liked what i played um i don't generally like these kind of puzzle games and the graphics as, as i say were quite nice you know you get a nice there's a nice feeling of kineticism in this game everything's moving as it should and you got to when you, you can sort of navigate around the map and see where you need to be the ui and everything else the display gameplay area is quite big and um, so you've got a lot you know a lot of sort of a lot of the game and the gameplay of it is you inside of the game environment so you're not looking at an alternative map or you're not, you know, you're not distracted. You're kind of doing what you've got to do. Um, it is hard, but I think you can get better at it and you can persevere with it as you start to figure out the puzzles. Um, and so I, I'd say I quite like this. I think my two things that kind of would put me off, one is I don't know how much of that I could do for long periods of time. I mean, if you, if you were going to get, you know, because I, I got past the first level fairly quickly, the second level is much, much bigger. And so you've got a lot more cogs to spin around and you are just spinning around and maybe you miss that one, you get this one, you spin around this other one, you spin around this one. And, and if it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, I don't know how much of that you'd really want to do after you know a while. It might feel a bit nauseating. 
just to keep spinning <laughs> left and right and spinning all over the place. So that's kind of thing. I mean, but you, you know, there's people that would go for those kind of puzzle games. Okay, and with the graphics like this and the animation, it say it doesn't play that badly. And the music's a bit twee if, and shrill in places, but it's it's passable for what it is. It's all right. But the price is what perhaps got me a bit here. So it's quite expensive for a kind of single tone puzzle game because um, it's nine ninety five. This and I don't know if that's is that is it about the right price? I don't I don't know. I, I felt maybe a bit uncomfortable with a because normally. Games that have kind of a central, simple mechanic that they do a lot of. It's kind of budget fodder. That's kind of normally with a game like this, you'd there'd be a couple more puzzle components or something else you have to do as opposed to just keep doing the same thing over and over again uh, with more complexity. So I don't know if it represents very good value for what it is, but it Zap seemed to rate it pretty highly. You've got 84% in there. I don't know. I, I enjoyed playing it. I just don't know if I'd enjoy playing it for ages. But I, I thought it was all right. What about you? Um, I think I probably liked it more than you. Um, I thought it was a really refreshing change after what we've been through recently. It's just, you know, simple puzzle concepts, both fun, frustrating, and challenging, and something I'd never played before as well. So, you know, a treat, really. And I've never heard of this, never came across it. Good stuff. I liked having to traverse the cogs. It's basically you move left and right in the direction. So if the cog is spinning clockwise, moving to the left will slow you down moving to the right will speed you up as you go around them. So you just got to kind of look at the clock cog and go, right, if I go onto that one, left and right, and they'll change. If it's anti-clockwise, it's the other way around. So you basically the way you move is the way you'll go around the, the cog, speed up. You know, So if you go against the grain, you'll slow down. That's how it works. Once you get that and you, you know, and you, it just takes a little bit of sort of looking at the actual cog you're going to go onto. Um, yeah, I didn't have a problem playing it. I just don't know if I'd want to play it for ages. Yeah, no, no, that's fair enough. Um, I thought the visuals were really nice, uh, smooth scrolling when it goes from section to section. I quite like the fact that you don't see it all and it doesn't follow you completely. You're kind of not quite sure what's going to come on soon. This is one of those ones where it scrolls where it gets to the edge, but works because it's, you kind of, I like the sort of not knowing in this place because of the notion of the puzzling as you're going along. Um, I thought that, so I thought the visuals, I thought the cogs were really well animated and everything going around. It was cool. It's just, you know, as you said, it's a case of navigating the play space. And this is where I thought the game had a solid blend of dexterity and planning as you try to avoid the enemies in order to keep your IQ level up. That second level, you're right, it does ramp up quite quickly. And it took me a few goes, but then I just stopped. Instead of trying to rush it, took my time and just walked straight through it. So it's one of those where rushing won't get you far. You got to think. You got to sit back and take your time. Whenever music's a bit jaunty, as you noted, but it, I thought this is just a strange atmosphere to the whole thing. Really, you know, trying this kind of trying to create formulas to get a professor's memory back. It's all very strange and odd. Um, but it's one of those puzzle mechanic, you know, set piece things, whatever it is. It's one of those rare games, I thought, that comes along once in a while and, and does something else other than blasting or racing and so on. And, and show, you know, video games can be quite original when they try. Even it did remind me, and um, it's a like a digital version of, it, there was digital version of Downfall. Um, yeah, in a way, in the, a way. There was I'll elements that. of that. In the, so, you, you know, you're turning dials and stuff. And that, there was just an element of that. So I wonder if they looked at the sort of saw that and moving around because you're moving from one to the next by, you know, when they when they sort of wrote, you know, meet up. The one thing I would have liked to see, I think you're right. I think longevity maybe because it can get quite frustrating. So with that in mind, I would have liked to see some kind of level select or level skip um, as having to do the early levels every time gets a bit annoying after a while. You know, once you know them, just having to go through them, oh, okay, to get to the level that you're stuck on, it's always a pain in these kind of things. And I would have liked, just let me go at least, you know, skip five, 
So yeah, or so maybe like a, a, red, a red LED logic where you have like a you know a grid of a map yeah, yeah, that you yeah. can choose. You know, something like that would might be something would have like worked. that. Yeah, so we, we, we didn't have to do sequentially one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. You could just oh, like you know just get me a point something where give me a password to go to level six because if I get there, like great, I've got there. It gives me a gold. You don't have to do it in, you know, trying to get through all this in one life would be thing would be annoying. But I really like this. I think, yeah, is it a tenner? Maybe. I think you'd be going at this for quite some time if you really got into it. And I think it's got 84%. Yeah, for, for me, this would this would have been something I would have banged my head at for quite a while, I think. Um, I was playing this for, for a good chunk of time because trying to sort of work my way through it. I got quite far, but once I died, I was like, oh, I've got to all those levels again. And that's the, that's the kill. I don't know. Obviously, on an emulator, I can just freeze, you know, pause it and save and save state it and stuff and save scum it or whatever but back then it would have annoyed me i think but i'd still try to get quite far into it and learn how to blast through those early levels quite quickly but yeah i really enjoyed this unusual didn't know anything about it and impressed first game i think from this lot by the looks of it um although i think the musician and the artist guy worked on raster scan as well okay um which we looked at which was that weird um what's a uh Bitmap, you know, uh, Pickford Brothers one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think they worked on that. There we go. Pi R squared. Good way to end, I thought. Interesting way to end. Different way to end. Yeah. Bit different. Yeah. Bit different. Here we go. That's all our games for this uh, this section. It's not been too bad. Some weird, good bookend. IK Plus in there, so. The IK Plus, Pi R squared, yeah. Landon Everywhere was okay. Just a couple of stinkers, maybe. Better than, yeah. better than some months. Right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to get into music. Because I've always wanted to, Graham. I've always wanted to get into music, and now's the time. Now, now is, the, is time the time for whatever it is. So now is the time. Uh, we'll be back for music for November 1987. So see you in a bit. Massive Sunday roast dinners and Yorkshire puddings to our wonderful show sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you will find a whole load of brilliant audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. David's latest amazing book, Escape from the Commodore 64, is available right now. In fact, let's go and have a sneaky listen. It would be rude not to. How are you enjoying the metaverse? The what? asked Sarah, stepping back. Never mind. It's a term from the future, and no one there is exactly sure what it means either the gnome said with a chuckle. I'm a time traveller, see? Would you believe a couple of plumbers and a swift hedgehog reached the bread bin in decades to come? Sarah stared at him blankly. Can you help me get out of here? He nodded at the computer. That's your only way out. She felt heat creep up her cheeks. No, thank you, she said. In fact, I think I'll be going. Sarah opened the door to the next room, only to see three karate fighters engaged in combat before a gate and a beautiful sunset. She narrowed her eyes, taking in a cherry blossom tree, as the faint scent of lilac and rose wafted into the room. The three of them performed backflips before stopping and setting their eyes on her. Then, their pants fell down. Thankfully, they were wearing virtual underwear. Now that is a spicy meatball. Escape from the Commodore 64 is available right now. Don't listen to me yakking. Head to davidhernwriter.com to find out more. (laughs) 
And we're back. And we're back and we're into music in November 1987, as promised. So let's get straight in. Um, number one singles for the first week, You Win Again by the Bee Gees. Ha-ha! <laughs> they won again. They win again. They, they always win. They will they always, always win. They always win. They cheat. Yes. I, I think, you know, there's something badly badly wrong there, um, but they, they always win. So it's not like much. We, we said enough about them, haven't we? You know, yes, you bring, we don't need to say any more about the brothers Gibb. No, you bring nothing but corned beef. Um, uh, for the last four weeks, this is a five week month. Uh, it is your favorite, Graham China in Your Hand by Tapao. Uh, good production on that, one. actually. Really good production, production on that Massive. track. 80s production is amazing, though. A lot of the mid to the late 80s production in studio production, in terms of the just pre massive digital studios and stuff, the all the analog and the amazing mixing desks of the time. They produce such amazing production and the producers have amazing powers over what they do as well. They're just incredible. But um don't like the song, but I like the production. Well, fair enough. Luckily I like the song, so you know, there you go. I like um, the song. Number one albums. Uh, I'm not sure if you like these, Graham. It's Tango in the Night for one week by Fleetwood Mac. Never been a fan. Never been never a been fan. Been a fan? Uh, I never no, knew that. No. Never. Okay. Um, only one week, though, because uh, in at number one the following week was Faith by George Michael. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's am his first, a murderer. That's his, this, <laughs> Bill Deckard, and I'm a murderer. That's, uh, yeah, by the way, murderer. that's his... Oh. I, I didn't realise it, but that's actually the first George Michael solo um, studio album. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yes. After the, after the demise of Wham. Yeah, that's it. Good, good album, that. Yes, yes, it's okay. I mean, I'm not... Again, I'm not a fan, but it's okay. Yeah. Uh, then for one week was Bridge of Spies by Tapao. There it is. Whole album. Of China in Your Hand. Very well, and very heart, well produced. And Heart and Soul. <laughs> There's very little else on that. I remember being listening to it and going, no. No, uh, there isn't. Next week, Whenever You Need Somebody by Rick Astley. Bah, bah, Rick <laughs> Bastley. <laughs> He's gone no. from family. He's gone from family favorite to uh, just annoying at this point, hasn't well, he? Well, that's because they were taking him in the studio and just milking him, and, th- and this literally. music came out. Yeah, you know, he was milk to drive his music, which is yeah. gross. It became Rick Gasly, um, <laughs> milk milk Gasly. Ew. Yeah. God's sake, um, no. <laughs> uh, for the final week, and probably for the next, as you've written <laughs> forever. Now that's what I call music ten. There it uh, is. And one. And it will say hello to it now because it's going to be it's just going to be hanging around like a fart in a lift for the next (laughs) six months now because it's it's Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. Um, (laughs) But this is going to stick like um, like a plaster stuck with very sticky stuff, like a pair of Tiberian bats. (laughs) They known for the stickiness. Well, see what he says in Star Trek um, Six. The undiscovered country, because I know that those those boots are going to stick with those like a pair of Tiberian bats. So I'm guessing that they're sticky. <laughs> hey, Spock, who said it, so yeah, go for it. Probably was. Probably was. Right, let's get into singles. First of November, and uh, number twelve is Barcelona by Freddie Aye. Mercury and Montserrat Caballé. Yes, I, I, the biggest song, biggest hit of his solo <laughs> career. That. Was it? <laughs> Which, yeah, absolutely. It was everywhere yeah. for a while. I wanted it. It was bloody yeah. everywhere. Well, he was a ma- Freddie Mercury was a massive opera fan, wasn't he? And if, you know, if, you, that, if that if that hadn't occurred to you by the, if you've listened to Night at the Opera by Queen <laughs> and listened I'd to never, uh, I'd, no, I don't him in Rhapsody, yeah, that that, was he also that a might have given you the clue. Because they did Day at the Races and stuff. I thought they were just. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought their albums were just named after posh events. <laughs> They might have been, but he was he was known for being a bit of an opera fan. That's why, you know, the Scaramouche, Scaramouche, and can you do the Fandango and all that? Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes a bit more sense. Yeah, he wasn't just asking questions about people's dancing ability. 
can you do the fun day? No, no, Freddie. Keep asking me. The answer <laughs> no, is still no. Told you, no, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely <me>. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a persistent bugger. He was. Um, number 15, never can say goodbye. Wish they would. By the communards. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a, it's a cover that I think. I didn't do too much digging into it because I don't really like that song, but I'm pretty sure it's a cover of a 70s disco hit. Yeah, probably. As you have written, there's lots of giddy bop dancing in that oh, video. Oh, it's, it's the massive, massive giddy bop. <laughs> uh, number 28, Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakim. Yeah, why we spoke we about, about that this? briefly before. I can't Very remember why. No, it's been included, I think, either the album, or there's some, some reason why we've come across this before, it but I think it was a different track. I think it was, prob- track, it was the album. Yeah, yeah, it might have been, but been obviously... We said it before, massively influential. Don't believe me. Go listen to the track that we'll put in the show notes. We've already put it in previous show notes, but you'll just hear a million samples. <laughs> yeah, it was probably more influential than the next one. Or maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Because number 29 was Jack Mix 4 yes. by Mirage. Yeah. Did you listen to any of it? I did not. I, I, no. no. It's good. I, I, I've only got so horrible. many hours in the day. Well, it's just, it's all of the things that you can imagine. I mean, I'm not going to read out the full writing credits for that album, song, song, album, single. What is it? Single. But you've got Matt, because it's basically sampling a little bit of all those people's tracks. So you've got Matt Aitken, Arthur Baker, Bernard Edwards from, um, he's the bass player from Cheek, Martin Young, Stephen Young, James Brown. I don't know who some of these are. Sharon Chestnut was there. Good old Sharon Chestnut. Giorgio Spagna. (laughs) Maybe. I know. Ivana Spaniards <laughs> there as well. Yeah, Lonnie Simmons, Sybil, US One. I don't know if that's a surname or that's she's an Android maybe that got involved in the production somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Pignagnoli. Pignagnoli. Nile Rogers, of course, is in there, like you say. Mike Stock. Look, look who's in there. Matt Aitkin, Mike Stock, Pete Waterman. A up. Yeah, A up. Hiding amongst the names. Rudy Taylor, Farley Williams, Charlie Wilson, US Two is the, the second <laughs> version, the, I guess. And the second version. <laughs> It's Skynet one, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. And then there's Robert William US. I'm guessing there's Robert William UK, Robert Wilson um, GB. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, those all those people have got their basically bits of their tracks ripped off into this sample heavy remix track of all the crappy dance tracks that you won't like and remember bastardized into this nightmare. So no, 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 no. I'm just no. worried that there are multiple Spaniards out there. Yes. Well, yes. Havana. Havana Spania. Havana Spania. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the Spania? I've had a Spania. You want a Spania? We all want a Spania. <laughs> Viva Espana! Hey! Spania for every day. <laughs> uh, one for Sunday best. Um, <laughs> multiple Spaniards. The Spania, the Spania in the works. Surely that's that's the album she needed to make. Come on, a Spania in the works. I don't even work in marketing. I, that, come on, come on, people. Pull your socks up, eighties. A Spania in the works. <laughs> you'll find when we get to our album it's called a spaniard in the works somebody's gone back and either that or someone will have uh, changed uh, wikipedia not yeah, noticed. Got back into, he's right we should have called it that <laughs> get the delorean <laughs> we don't uh, have a delorean oh what get me spaniard ivana spaniard you want you want ivana spaniard no i want a spaniard <laughs> we all want a spaniard mate what are you talking about <laughs> georgia spaniard no not him <laughs> Not that Spaniard, one of the other Spaniards. Oh, dear me. Uh, 50 mil Spaniard, 30 mil Spaniard. What do you want? Socket Spaniard, what do you want? I don't know. We need one to fix US one. <laughs> it's gone it's badly gone wrong. wrong. It's gone horribly wrong. Bring out US two. Call it Charlie, Charlie Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson bot. Yeah. The Wilson. There's three Wilsons. There is. Uh, Ronnie, Robert, and Charlie. That's it. Anyway. 
Number 36, <laughs> Darklands uh, by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Mm. The third single from the Darklands album. I did listen to it, and you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it is a song waiting for a coming-of-age teen movie. <laughs> it's just a bit. Uh, third single from the Darklands album. Yeah. Yes, yes. This one made me go, ew. Uh, the title, yeah. number 40, this is Marillion with warm, wet circles. <laughs> Ew. Like a song about getting the, old. <laughs> the, dirty, the dirty tramp of rock is back. And he's in full tramp mode as well. Did you, we'll put the video in the oh, show notes I found for that. Um, I put, yeah, he's got a nice flaming suit though. <laughs> that flaming yes. suit. But in, in uh, Start Counterpoint, the guitarist is uh, the smartest man in rock, this side of Brian Ferry. <laughs> he is a bit in here. He's like, the, the, it's like looking at an opposite. <laughs> uh, but I did think, though, that once you get enough money, like, and obviously Fisher's made a lot of money from Marillion, just, just, you just get what you want. So somewhere on Savile Row, he's walked in and he's gone, make me a suit with flames on. Um, yeah, he will have done, so yeah. so some, you know, suit some maker tailor. who's crafted his, te- crafted his uh, trade, a cutter, who's crafted his trade over many mm. years has had to make a flame suit. Yeah, some tailor was like, oh... I bet you looked at that every day and he's like, I've got to finish it. I've got to finish that. And it's the, phone, the phone's ringing and it's like, it's on that, you know, fish is, hello? No, I haven't finished it yet, fish. No, I, I just, I find it really, it's killing me doing it. I hate it. <laughs> it is. No, I, I spent 10 years, you want 10 years at Taylor School, Taylorage, <laughs> learning how to stitch and sew and do double stitch because it's the strong one. And you want me to make that. I, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but anyway yes as you've quite rightly written usual Marillion twee folk style fiddly diddly yeah too many lyrics not, and nothing memorable <laughs> nothing nothing I didn't pick any of them up I just I was no. hypnotised by his suit it's ironic that uh, one of their most popular songs starts with a look do you remember and I actually don't remember anything else other than that song so no no number 60 was we'll be together by Sting what is that uh, shit <laughs> what, 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 what happened there's no place in, in this world for and, and especially in musical videos for the jumper that he wears in that. Whatever dignity he had left is gone at that point. As soon as I saw him in that jumper, I'm like, what are you doing? And that haircut, that flippy floppy haircut. Who are yeah, you, Sting? It, what happened? What happened? It's a bad period. He's, he's, gone, he's yeah. gone in a bad period. You're not kidding. Someone, the knitted jumper phase. <laughs> Goodness me, God help him. Someone help yeah. him. Um, <laughs> string. <laughs> string it together. Right, <laughs> All Across the Nation featuring Gary Newman by Radio Heart featuring Gary Newman. <laughs> There's too much Gary Newman in yeah, there. Yeah, I think Gary Newman might be featured on that, I think. I did. Did you read much about this? It's quite uh, inter- we'd, we'd, we'd mentioned this before. For some, some reason, we'd come across this before. We have. Why, this, but... is the, this is their third single, but I don't know if we fully mentioned the album and everything that would come from it. Yeah, um, I think we did. I don't know why. but Did yeah, we? But... I don't remember the story because Radio Heart was formed by the brothers Hugh and David Nicholson and they got Gary Newman in to sort of record three tracks with him and that was the three singles they released. They then asked him to do a full album and he went, well, send me the stuff and I'll have a listen. So they sent him the stuff and he went, nah, <laughs> I'm not doing anything else on that. So fair uh, Hugh Nicholson did the uh, vocals on the rest of the tracks for the album. Um, they managed to get Elton John in for a couple oh, of God. the tracks as well. Um, and then finally, when the album was released, they made a very big deal on the front cover of the album that Gary Newman and Elton John were heavily in- involved, um, which led to the album being removed from sale due to both of the artists going, take that down. <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing to do with that, you bloody liars. So uh, that was the story of all, you know, Radio Heart. I thought it was quite amusing. Interesting. There you go. Uh, number 97. Amazed this went in so low. Letter from America by the P- Proclaimers. You, why were you amazed? It's horrible. Because it goes so, because it gets so high, doesn't it? It's very popular. So I'm amazed yeah. when I see all these big singles start really low down. How they sort of yeah. climb. I hate that song, um, shouty. No, I don't, I don't. 
I don't particularly like it, but I know that the Proclaimers, uh, you know, Walk Home Hundred Miles, Let From America, they were huge, massive singles. Mm, but there you go. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not saying they're any good. Don't yeah, hold that against maybe. <laughs> you're, you're just proclaiming. <laughs> you're doing exactly what they constructed and told you to do. But they shouty shoutiness. Bloody shouty shoutiness. I did walk a lot today. Maybe not 500 miles, though. Eighth of November... And at number 20, uh, it was So Emotional by Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Third single so, from her second studio album, Whitney. Yeah. She still sounds exclusively like Whitney, though. Yeah, she does. She still... Yeah. It's, it's the curse of Whitney Houston is, you know... Can, is there any, can you sound like anyone else? Because we're just get, getting, getting a bit tidy, your voice. Too much. It's, you know, Too it's much. good and all, but, it's, it's, but it sounds just like Whitney Houston. Can you vary yeah. it a bit? Too much energy. Yeah. Yeah, and um, just, you know, good song. It's an amazing song. I mean, we, we, yeah, we I laugh at more. Song, yeah, absolutely. My God, that she, it's incredible vocal on that song. Yeah. Uh, number 29, I started something I couldn't finish. So did I. If that only, sentence. If only. That's uh, <laughs> by the Smiths. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, not no. No, no. You've no. finished all your songs. That's the problem. Yes. Uh, number 49, Backseat Education, Zodiac Mind Warp. Yeah, nah. Just, it's dated badly, that. I looked at the video. And, Very badly. And song and, yeah, just Did no, you watch the no, video? No. Yes, let's put the link in the thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, yeah I watched it as well. Two, it's like over two minutes before the song starts. Yeah, it's, it's only a five of, minute video. No. Just, and it also, it, for some reason, I started getting real flashbacks to the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at the beginning of that video. Yeah. I was like, what's going on here? It's really weird. <laughs> it's it's it expecting is. what's her name to come out and start singing Anything Goes. Oh, Kate Capshaw. <laughs> yeah, and the, you, yeah. this is the antidote to the burden you have drank. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a really good impression. Do you know I'm impressed myself with that? For a moment, for a moment there, I thought he was in the room with us. For a moment there, I thought I'd actually drank some poison. <laughs> Ooh, I got quite bothered. I've, got um, all, I've gone all sweaty and hot. <laughs> absolutely. And I need to run behind a gong. Um, number 62. Funny how time flies. Janet Jackson. Yeah. This, do you know, it's weird, this. Uh, this was it released in the US for airplay only. Wasn't just wasn't released there, so it wasn't Why? allowed to chart. I don't know. There's no reason that was given in any of the research I did. It just that's just what they released in the US. It was because it's the seventh track off the album, I think, seventh single release. But they're just Maybe not just allowed. Don't. It's just some like arcane law written into the Constitution. <laughs> Thou shalt not release a seventh single. <laughs> can't can't be. Michael Jackson must release nine off one album. I don't know. It just that's one of the quirks I spotted was that it was only released for airplay in the US. Oh, Weird, isn't it? Weird. That is very strange. Odd little song. Um, I've not heard it so. Uh, number 72 is I Say Nothing by Voice of the Beehive. I quite uh, like yeah. Voice of the Beehive in their own they're quirky right. way. You would, you would do, because they're, they're, they're in the, I put them in the same ball group as B-52s. Yeah, they're in that kind of, with that Californian sounding vocalist sisters, aren't they? Tracy Brine yeah. and Melissa Brooke Belland. <laughs> Sorry, Belland. <laughs> yeah, so don't misspell that. <laughs> no, don't missay it. So, hello, <laughs> welcome to uh, London, Miss Belland. <laughs> That's Belland. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's just a, it, it, sorry. Bell and what? <laughs> Bell and Sebastian. Um, I remember them for their bigger hits, "Don't Call Me Baby," which I really like because that's a great song. That is. Yeah, um, but this is a good song as well. But this, they sound like Voice of the Bee. I mean, as you say, they're up the B52s kind of avenue, aren't they? So I quite like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, number seventy nine is "Solitude Standing" by Suzanne Vega. Um, I know you've heard this. I really, really like this song. No, I don't um, dislike the song. It's just. She's got a lovely voice. It's just, I don't think it's one of the great Susan I think it's Vega different. Tracks. It's the opening track to her second album, and it's kind of a different different um, feel to what, what had gone before with her first album. Mm. Um, and it's much more punctuated. What I really like about this is the 
it's, it's the delivery, the vocal delivery is kind of quite staccato um, mm. and a bit more sort of and a bit more stronger and a bit more sort of strident. I don't know. There's a there's, so, a, there's an ang- sort of a, a sort of strength in the in the vocals and the way that they're delivered in it. So I really like it. If, on, if only the single buying public could agreed with you because they that single got buried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yes. But uh, like you say, well. she's got such an ace voice. You could pretty much listen to her read a bloody receipt and you'd be kind of intrigued by it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yes, you would. Um, mm. Number ninety-two, <laughs> two pound from co-op. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. That's the, 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 you didn't have to do that. Prices have gone up. Everything's have, gone yeah. up. Let's face it. Everything. Two, two pound a sourdough. Ridiculous. Two pound it's, a easy, it's easy to buy them. It's easy to buy them than make them. That's all. That's, that's all I'm saying. That is true because you got to wait like three weeks, aren't you, and ferment it and everything. Oh, so you go. You got to keep tricky. feeding the bloody starter thing. It's a pain in the ass. It is. Anyway. We'll get to bread a bit later on. Uh, number ninety-two, way out by the Lars. Now, what impressed me with this was that there was another Lars track. In fact, there's an album, apparently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because well, I'm pretty sure I'd only ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows there she goes. Everybody was, knows that track. It's in every is in every track, and it was made really popular by um, my Marilyn Axe murderer. Yeah, and then it's on. It was on every like, compilation album between here and Jupiter. Seem to have yeah. that track on it somewhere at some point. And it's also in. Do you remember? Do you remember Britpop? Yes. Um, but I was surprised they were going this early. Because I just associate them with Britpop. Yeah, and they're from Liverpool. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I know they're from Liverpool. Yeah, I, 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 I just I never really knew, understood where they came from. I just I always understood them as the kind of a one hit and then disappear. But clearly not. Clearly, I'm, and this is a pretty good song as well. I have to say, I quite like that. Yeah. Um, Intriguing. But again, this is another one. Like I said about Proclaimers, it's better. But but same sort of thing. Number one hundred is Blue Hotel by Chris Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good looking asshole. You're right. <laughs> I'm so emotional after watching him Chris Isaac sing that song through his it, it enormously good looking face. I thought, you'd gone, I thought you'd gone full on ferry. It's not fair that he's that he's pretty much the same thing. It's not fair that he's that good looking. Well, it's not fair. Know, he's, is, was he a male model? Was he a model? Yeah, of course he was. Just some people are just thunked out of their eggs. And they just come out that good looking and that talented, and you just end up rolling on a beach with supermodels. And you're like, well, that 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 was. He's got my share again. Give me my share back. Don't take other people's shares. You've got your own, you know, your own stuff. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not a fan of Chris Isaac. Not for everyone. I associate Chris Isaac, and I don't know if this is this is the reason why, but I associate him with David Lynch movies. I don't know why that is, but I just do because he's in the opening section of Firewalk with Me. Oh, he's probably what, he's right. The, uh, he's the um, he's the FBI agent who goes oh, and well, takes Kiefer Sutherland to the trailer park to investigate the, the disappearance of uh, the girl, the murder of that first girl. But yeah, yeah. And, and obviously he he became he's in Friends as well. He's an episode of Friends, isn't he? Chris Isaac, he just sort of he is, appeared yes, on the scene yes. for a bit, didn't he? And was really good looking and talented, and so therefore he, he went a long way for a bit. <laughs> he did stealing other people's Con- shares. Contrary to the lies in that advert. <laughs> which I built my entire life on. I was rubbish, <laughs> looked awful, couldn't play. I went nowhere. And yeah. my case against Kit Kat also went nowhere. The judge <laughs> threw it out. Well, did you, did you look, because in that, he does look like he's got really bad trap wind when he sings Chris Isaac. I mean, his voice is, if you like him, you don't, but he's got that's that kind of look. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's not, he's got, he's got wind. Uh, uh, very, very, you know, very emotional. So emotional to quote yeah, Whitney Houston. Some might say it's 
Yeah, song like that. The song called that, but it sounds a bit like <laughs> too, Whitney too emotional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too yeah, much, yeah. Too it sounds Whitney. too much like Chris Isaac. Yeah, too much Whitney. <laughs> don't don't sing like Whitney, Chris. Be be your own singer. Stop stealing other people's looks and talent. He's a, he's a talent vampire, and there's more vampires in this as well. <laughs> there are. It's a talent, it's a talent no- looks vampire. <laughs> 15th of November, To Be Reborn by Boy George uh, is in at number 26. <laughs> yeah. It's not good, that. <laughs> no, it's really not. No, um, I mean, this written, is, it's like, to, to be reboring. <laughs> it is. It's awful, and it's just a. I think you, what you're seeing there, because the only version I could find was look like it'd been recorded through a, a some kind of sieve. Um, <laughs> just terrible. I mean, there's me saying how great the production was at this time, and there's something went wrong here. But I think it's partly because at this time I'm wondering how badly addicted to drugs he was, because he had a massive drug problem for a while, didn't he? And I guess in he did. It was, you know, this was the recorded at the pinnacle of that, you know. So it, unfortunately for him, it didn't have the same effect as being completely smashed out of your mind. It, did for Shane McGowan later, but no, it didn't quite work out for for, for old uh, boy George, did it there? Not really. Um, number thirty is "Build" by the House Martins. House Martins. I don't like the House Martins. House Martins. House Martin. I don't like the House Martins. Just, I came to that because no. I listened to that and I was like, I don't like them anymore. I don't. I didn't really like them before, but I don't like. No, them. I don't like any offshoots of them either, like uh, "Beautiful South" or anything. <laughs> the various different kinds of Martin. The door Martin, <laughs> shed shed Martins were no good. <laughs> the window Martin, the roof Martin, <laughs> the bungalow Martin. Yeah, the garage Martins were just a kind of a low budget version. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Shaq Martins. <laughs> didn't like them. No, I don't like the Martins. I, don't, I like no. I like people called Martin. I just don't like the house Martins. <laughs> Not just generally, I don't just like you because you're called Martin, which sounds weird. What's your name, Martin? Well, I'm going to like you because, you know, I do like a good Martin. <laughs> I do. Are you a good Martin or are you a bad Martin? <laughs> it sounds like a really weird version of Blade Runner, the Martin edition. Are you the good Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, which kind of Martin are you? <laughs> I've seen things you Martins wouldn't believe. <laughs> House Martin singing in a pub a cappella. <laughs> uh, oh dear, yes, Martins. yes, yes. Number forty-five. There ain't nothing like shagging by the Tams. Yeah, it's not what you think, is it? That no, I know the shag is a dance. Just there you go. Yeah, but it's kind of a sort of a uh, song that's a bit more Motowny, isn't it? That um, yeah. the Tams are kind of that kind of outfit. So, but I think people bought it in the UK for the wrong reason. So. Uh, yeah. Um, number fifty-eight is Satellite by the Hooters. What did you make of that? I I remember I hadn't I forgot about this and then I remembered it. I really really like this song. I remember hearing yeah. it back then. I heard it and I was like, "This is what a great song." Um, yeah, a catchy enough song. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a cracking cracking tune. This is. Um, yeah. So I, I was like, but I didn't know whether it was their version I remembered or whether there was a cover. So I went looking round, couldn't find it had been covered by anyone. So it must mm. be this version that I remember. And I was like, "No, oh, this is what a what a yeah what a, what a catchy tune this was." Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, All about televangelism, uh, is, isn't it? Yeah, the video's pretty good, actually. He is twitchy. Yeah. He's quite a twitchy fella. He's very, but the very video twitchy. is, And it's a it's a video theme that comes back, which Genesis blatantly rip off later down the line as well for their, uh, uh, one of their songs, which is about that. Oh, yeah. Jesus, Jesus he knows he me. me. Yeah. Jesus, he knows yeah, me, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah good, good link. Yeah, I didn't actually put that together. Yeah. Yeah, this... Yeah. Number 64, Turn Back the Clock by Johnny Hates Jazz. <laughs> I didn't want to say yeah. the name. <laughs> I didn't want to... <laughs> Because it might summon them. <laughs> yeah, so you have to be careful. Hey, say, don't say it three times in front of a mirror. It's like because <laughs> your mirror just becomes bland. It's like Candyman. It just comes and just haunts you forever with their blandness. Blandy man. 
<laughs> That's got to be the album. Let's turn back the clock and make the album called that. Blandy Man. Brilliant. Uh, I don't like the Johnny Hates Jazz. I don't care that they even hate jazz. It just seems irrational. You know, don't, yeah. Don't, I mean, hate, you don't put, hate on things. Please don't turn back the clock. I said, we should turn it back before they were formed and step in to stop all this nonsense. And we could, yeah, you know, the old Terminator method. The old Terminator Absolutely, method. yeah. Um, you have to go through naked, remember? I'm not sure that they, if, I, if I landed back when they formed fully naked, they're not going to be friendly to me. It's just not, it's not going to end well especially, for anyone. Especially with a, inside, of, inside with glowing balls. It might be why they're called Johnny Hates Jazz. I don't Maybe that's why something happened. Yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> don't know. You just went back and jazzed at them. Your jazz hand. <laughs> uh, 22nd of November, <laughs> at number 23, is Once Upon a Long Ago by Paul McCartney. Oh, God. Absolutely I hate that hated name this. as well. Yeah, I, hate I did that as name. well. I hated this. Did you watch the video? I was oh. fortunate enough to, yes. Quantel Paintbox was brought out again, wasn't it, for its fancy effects? <laughs> yes. Just utterly, uh, utterly forgettable. I'm just, it's a middle-of-the-road load of music bread. Yeah, <laughs> and I put, there was no need for this. No, there isn't. You're exactly right. It's just music bread. It's bread music. Music that's <laughs> it's bread. Look, it's so and boring. it's not my bread the group bread they do some great stuff this is music bread was this actually boring. for was, was that animation within the video made for it or was no, it from yeah no it's made for it I think I think I, was I, I tried to do a bit of digging but there's only so much digging into Paul McCartney's you know, backstory <laughs> that they... I can handle before I just well, go yeah. no bread and also before the alarms go off at his house that someone's looking into his past and they send them, exactly. they send them, a, they send them a county droids round. Well, you, what happens is your you computer that you're looking, look, looking at it on, it just suddenly displays an image of a slice of bread and it just locks your entire machine down and that's it, you've just been breaded. It's just a so, slow I zoom into uh, to Ringo's eye. <laughs> yeah. Not that one. <laughs> the, the bad one. Yeah, the Sauron one. <laughs> What's upon a long ago? Uh, it's just crap. That 20... song was crap. Horrible crap. It was shit. Number 27. What do you want to make those eyes at me for by Shaking Stevens? Jeez. Bloody written in, written in 1916, this. 1916. Come on. Yep. But as I've noted, he was alive when it was written because he's ever living. Um, <laughs> Shaking Stevens, the ever living. Um, also as well, this is the, what do you want to make these eyes at me for? The missing song from the, I just make eyes part of Blade Runner. Yeah, when he goes and sees um, the guy that makes eyes. What's his name? Egg, oh, I, uh, Eggy, Eggy Eye Maker. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Eggy McEye. <laughs> Eyeball. I just do eyes. <laughs> This is uh, Shaking Stevens, or she've rightly called it uh, Steve Marr or Steve Ra. Steve Ra. Um, Steve Ra, yeah, the yeah, ever yeah. living. <laughs> <laughs> he man, what Ancient is behind the green are- door? <laughs> Ancient spirits are evil. Transform Shaking Stevens from this crippled form into Steve Ra. <laughs> My voice doing that. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, yeah, it would be good. I'd maybe oh, watch He Man anyway. Um, number 29, <laughs> Who Found Who, featuring Elisa Fiorolo, which is Jellybean featuring Elisa Fiorolo. Elisa Fiorolo. Uh, I don't know. Some woman. Oh, my voice right? has gone off me. Yeah, I don't know. Shaking <laughs> Stevens. That's what happens when you try and summon the ever-living. I know. He, he's, he's entered. I, like, uh, I can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> out, Stevens. Stevens, out. God, where's Merrin when you need him? Marin, <laughs> that's not going to do any good. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do that. Now, uh, did you watch the video for the uh, Who Found Who thing? I did not. No, it's one. Ah, because over, um, if you watch it, it's like he's found. He's clearly 
found some kind of Madonna impersonator. And, the, and so you've got, it's like looking at a woman doing a kind of a bad Madonna impression. It's, she's good, but it's not Madonna. But you can see that he obviously clearly missed working with Madonna. He's <laughs> so replaced it with a, a duplicate. Elisa Fiorillo. Fiorillo. Yeah, yeah. But if you hear her sing, she sounds like Madonna singing as well. Oh, sort right, of that, okay. a, that era Madonna. Yeah, Fair enough. Goodness me. Bloody sod off shaking Stevens, you <laughs> Get out of my throat. <laughs> Get out of my mind. <laughs> This old house, do, 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 do. Number one. Number no. Number 31, Hysteria by Def Leppard. <laughs> good song. Yeah, That's good a, song, Hysteria. Yeah, great value. Yeah, I've asked, I've, I've asked you, does it suffer from the syndrome? It is does, one of the unfortunately. Ones it does. But actually, the problem with this song is that it's it does meander. It does suffer from Def Leppard meanderisms. Yeah. Because um, it's all their songs start really good. This one is particularly bad for it. Others kind of, kind of have catchier bits than this one. This one just seems to go on for ages. Now, the only reason I know that more with more ex- with more sort of experience of it is because I was I, le- I had to learn this song for a, a band that was in briefly, so I had to learn all the parts. You can't really learn the single part guitar part because there's about ninety different layered guitars in this, but <laughs> it, it is quite boring. It's it's a bit it's the duller song. It's still a good song, but it's just a bit dull, and it does have the. The, the meanderism in it. But there you go. Meanderisms. Uh, number thirty-six. I could never take the place of your man. It's a good. Prince. It's a good Prince song. Yeah. It's a. Good, it's not one that everyone would remember. It, it, I quite like that kind of Prince song. The kind of poppy. Some of the less memorable ones are pretty good. It, it's pretty good. The video's okay, but it's just Prince by almost by de facto numbers. There. Good stuff though. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Good I'll stuff take your there. word for it. I've never been a fan. If you didn't know. No, I didn't get that um, impression. No, no. Uh, number forty-three is Love Letters by Alison Moyet. Um, I think yeah. this is a charity record. It's either something like Children in Need or Red Nose Day or something. Comic Relief or something like that, yeah. Comic Relief, yeah. It's something like that, probably. Uh, especially if it's got French and Saunders in the video. It has, Bound yeah. Be, just walking around in the video, just being silly and not very funny. But yeah, I remember didn't that. Didn't say they're that about making, them. But yeah. I think they're just making Alison Moyet laugh a lot, aren't they? If I remember yeah, right yeah, they are. She, she, Dawn French walks out in a really tall pointy hat. Yeah. <laughs> Which Sorry, was that was that your side splitting I just heard? Well, I thought it might be, yeah. <laughs> oh, my sides. Uh, number 44, uh, King Without a Crown by ABC. King Without a Crown? Land Without a King! That's what he says in Excalibur, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, it says King Without a Sword, but you know, we'll, we'll go with it. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, yeah, Sophisto pop, but I've noted I didn't. I really didn't like the way he shouted at the start of every line. Yeah, did you that's notice the ABC that? way? Yeah, yeah, he does. Every line's like, yeah, his attack is he's got a, an attack problem, hasn't he? That's uh, if you ever mixing sound and doing sound stuff, the, that when you if you've got too much attack on something, that's exactly what happens. That's why drums yeah. often are gated because of that attack. He's got a vocal attack. Imagine if he's trying to order pizza or just a burger or something, he'd be like, he'd be like, God, just hang on a minute, just. You're too much. Yeah. Like he's constantly <laughs> shouting at the guy behind the counter. You're like a king without a crown. Get out of here. <laughs> Good title for an album. Good title for Get out. You loud. Kingdom without a king. <laughs> yeah. It sounded like Spandau Ballet, though. The production sounded very Spandau Ballet-y. Yes, um, it did. So I suppose I mean, they're all of that ill count. They're all of that ire. They're all of that time. They are. Number 64 is Every Time We Say Goodbye by Simply Red. Uh, uh, this was awful, I wasn't absolutely it? absolutely hate that record. Yeah. I hate and I, and I like the actual song. I hate his version of it because it's horrible. Yes, it's, it's particularly squeaky, bad. squeaky, wobbling, stupid tones. I can't stand it. And his hair's ridiculous in that. Ridiculous. Well, I, put it, 
I put, he looks like an upside down mop. He does. He does look like his, his hair's just gone off, hasn't it? And just gone on a wild adventure to the right. So. <laughs> yeah, it's bored of him. I'm off this way. Yeah. It, honestly, it, it's he's, he's so hair, boring. His hair went off on its own exactly, adventure. Exactly. His hair hates him that much. He's trying to just leave him. <laughs> I've had enough. I've had enough. So, and yet, as we've said many times about old Mr. Hucknall, he was, you know, the chicks seem to dig him, but I, I can't understand why. I, 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 to this day, it's just it's some kind of mystery. He must have a well, spell or some kind of love potion. His hair wants out. Well, yeah, I think he's just, he must have some kind of love elixir that he sprays in the air before he goes in a room and everyone just sort of <laughs> soaks it in through their pores and they can't, you know, can't help but fall in yeah, love with him. It's not out of a bottle, though. It's from his uh, secret pores. Yeah, he just, he's got like a little, you know, vent. We don't want to say where that is, but. <laughs> no. It's like his own gills. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like <laughs> a thin his love slit. Gills. <laughs> it's a thin slit where his pheromone just oozes out like a, like a small paste, like a oozing paste. <laughs> <laughs> which he then just rubs around the, uh, the yeah, rim of the glass. Yeah, it's exactly. He secretes it from a, from sort of, he's got several, several orify where he can produce yeah, that from. Secreted he che- from what? He can, he, he che- well, he chooses. He chooses that. That's um, true. Ugh, horrible thought. Exactly, yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, number 72, The One I Love by R.E.M. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the only tracks I really, I don't hate it. I don't really like R.E.M., but I don't hate this track. I just remember this for dancing to it in Gulliver's which yeah. is odd, really, to think about it, because I was a proper metalhead at that point, so I had long, straggly, horrible hair, but about 20 stone and a leather jacket, <laughs> so I don't think people must have looked at me dancing to that and gone, what is he doing? Does he know Probably what he's me doing? or Malcolm, I would have thought. Our friend Malcolm back <laughs> yeah. then would have dragged you on at that point. Yeah, yeah, but I just think, I think just looking at it from the other, from the, you know, if you, if you imagine that scene yes. where you've got, and then just take a camera and just zoom out and you think there was nobody else on the dance floor. Why would there be? Because there was, you know, a giant maniac metalhead <laughs> dancing to R.E.M. Don't go near that. Stay well away. And that's what happened. <laughs> Probably. Um, number 81, <laughs> When Will I Be Famous by Bros. Well, we know the answer, don't we? 15, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. By 15, 20 years, you, you're going to be in the, we worked it out mathematically. We proved it in tests. We did. Absolutely. You know, you can't argue, can't argue with, with science. science now. Nope. Uh, science tells us what we need to know. Number 91, I found someone by Cher. <laughs> Did you watch the video for this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his hair, as you've written, his hair in the opening few seconds of this video is pure beef. Yeah. It's so solid. And I put not even Cher can handle it and walks off in jealous rage. <laughs> um, I have noted, uh, though, that it's worth, you know, that outfit that she does wear for the majority of the song is uh, other bits on stage. Yes. Sell a tape is what it is, basically, isn't it? It's just sell a tape. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, sell a tape um, dress, yeah. I can see this for I mean, I like I like this sort of for what yeah, it is. It's all right. Uh, yeah, know, it's all right. It's a good so it's a good rock song. She did some yeah. classic rock songs in the eighties. Yeah, they're all on they're all on the same album as that as well. All, yes. albums full of those shit. I think it's a you know, it's a, the album that she was became quite felt the tracks an album that became quite famous at that time. Yeah. It's if I can tell back time is on there in a couple of those, I think. Yeah, there you go. Uh Last Monday, 29th November, number 16, The Way You're Making Me Feel. You have to say it like that. Yeah. The, the Way, way You're Making make Me Feel. Me yeah. Feel. Again, like I said before, I've got nothing against Michael Jackson at all. You know, if you like that kind of thing, great. It just, by this point, I kind of tuned out of it. All right. But I like it's off bad, isn't it? It must be off bad, yeah. So It's off bad, yes, yes. It's another one off bad. Uh, number 35, I'm the Man by Anthrax. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, no, I don't like Anthrax. Never have. Oddly enough, you think I would like them being the kind of you know into the kind of music i was into but no I really don't. no i didn't I, I wouldn't i i don't think you were because i lump anthrax into pantera and all that lot yeah just not my bag not, not my, my bag, bag either number 36 change of pace somewhere somebody by five star yeah bah 
somewhere, somebody, some, someone is listening to a five-star record because there's so bloody many of them. <laughs> yeah, they're just everywhere. We've said, we said it before, we've said it again. There's always a five-star track somewhere. Yeah, always. <laughs> the new one is being released as we even, even as we speak. Can't um, be stopped. <laughs> number 39, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Uh, comic Relief, there we go. Presents Mill and Kim, performed by Kim Wilde and Mel Smith. Yeah, awful. Charity. Awful. That's when I realised that, you know, I, I once had the, a real crush on Kim Wilde. Not Mel Smith, oh, but quick Kim Wilde. <laughs> I think everyone and, everyone did it. Yeah, that, and then the she turned up in that video and something had happened. <laughs> I have not watched haggard. the video. She looked haggard and and chubby and not quite right. Oh, <laughs> so, well, you know, but yeah, you know, maybe it was just him. she was tired. Maybe she looked she always looked a bit tired. I was thinking maybe that's maybe been a bit mean, but she looked a bit knackered in that. Maybe um, number forty, Fairy Tale of New York. I mean, if we're look, talking about looks, then <laughs> by folks yeah. featuring Kirsten McCall, you've got Shane McGowan here. Um, it's like Kirsten McCall and Gollum. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, he, what, there's miracles about this. You know, there are miracles that about that. He wrote that song. I bet he, he won't remember that he wrote it, but he wrote that song. Yeah, co-wrote well, it. So it's just incredible. That, you know, at some a certain point in his life, he was sentient enough to be able to write that. Because <laughs> the rest yeah. of his life, he was completely smashed off his mind. <laughs> probably. I mean, that's probably why he was able to write it. But um, it is the classic number one Christmas track, isn't it? It has become to this day. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. a there's a couple of really good um, punked up versions of that as well, which I'll put in the show notes uh, mm-hmm. by a, um, I can't remember the name of the group. Um, it'll come back to me. It's like a pop punk type version, if you like that kind of thing. Um, cool. But there's a good version of that. It's on. I found it on Spotify some time ago, which is quite interesting. I actually quite like that song, and it is a classic. And there's a sadness to it, isn't there? Because I I really like Kirsty McCall's vocals when she sang. I really quite liked her at the time, but she mm-hmm. died in the year 2000 in a horrific and horrific boating accident where even though she's managed to save the life of her 15 year old son and I think her other child um, because a speedboat went into the swimming area where they were swimming she managed to push those two out of the way but unfortunately was hit full on by the speedboat and it killed her instantly so very sad very sad very but sad. she died a hero she died a hero she saved the life of two people but gave up her own to do that and, and on that that's note, what the fairy tale in New York means yeah number 42 reason to live <laughs> that sounds a bit <laughs> Unapt now. <laughs> um, inept, unapt. Uh, by Kiss. Um, yeah. I, Just, no, I, I, I listened to this. I thought, right, I I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I'm going to give it a go because I feel like I should know more Kiss songs than I do. And I, I remember, I know that the majority of them are naff or a bit naff. And I know that Gene Simmons is known for being a real cock. Even the band didn't like him in the end. And shortly after they made this, they basically sat him down and were like, look, you're being a dick because he was treating the band like his second project because he was getting to his acting and stuff at this time. And they were like, look, you know, be in the band or don't be, um, which didn't work, work out quite well because he told them to go get lost, I think. Anyway, long with the shot of this, I thought I'd give it a shot. Then the video was full of hot, you know, rock women as these things always are, but the confirmed that I'm not a big fan of Kiss. <laughs> After watching no. it, I'm like, oh, it's not my cup of tea. I don't know quite what they are, but they're not my thing. No. Well, as I've noted, no, no makeup Kiss shows them up for the novelty act they were. They're just, yeah, they're just his, not- his face is thin. He's very thin of face, isn't he? Oh, Paul Stanley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah can, the guy can sing, for God's sake. He's got an amazing voice. Oh, don't get voice, me wrong. But... He's got a good voice when they cover stuff. And when they when they do put something together, like Crazy Crazy Nights, whatever, yeah, okay, fair enough. But so much of it is just this bland, crap, mm. stadium-oriented rock that yeah. is of no, no, no consequence to anybody. Um, yeah. Number 44, Angel Eyes by Wet, Wet, Wet. Uh, net face is back in, in full schmaltz <laughs> mode. Yeah. Is he also a vampire? Why? Yeah, if you noticed, if you watch the video, if you look at the video, he's got fangs, vampire fangs in that. It's a oh, whole new element yeah, yeah. To, to, um, to Marty Pello. Well, so, you know, no. where do vampires bite you? Yeah, true. And true. he's full and on, he's, 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 he's all neck. neck. <laughs> well, 
My worry there was that if, if you know, because it's like a weird sort of version of Vampire Stat. So how old is he? You know, it's made me wonder whether he's, you know, he, he looks young in that, but maybe he's always looking young because he's a vampire. Yeah. But you'll see, you watch the video, in the first two minutes, you'll see his fangs. Can't his miss best him. Friends, can't miss his them. best friend's with uh, Shaking Steven, so that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. It does tell me everything. But the, those two in around. And actually, when I, I went to stay at a hotel um, in... Um, uh, where Marty Pell is from in the town where Marty Pell was born and on the picture and on the wall was a picture from 1917 and right there at the centre was uh, <laughs> Marty Pello singing like in the overlook he's always yes. been there he's always been there so, welcome uh, back Mr Pello <laughs> <laughs> he's always been there right take your band members out and correct them Mr Pello if I may, <laughs> if I may be so bold <laughs> uh, number 67 finally last single Joys of Christmas by Chris Rea yeah right uh, did you listen to that I did it's, it's, it's the most joyless thing I've ever heard it got, he's been dejoyed <laughs> dejoyed as I know yeah. this would be better if it was just a list of women called Joy that he had met at various Christmas parties through the years <laughs> it, it might be that it might be so just a list Joys of Christmas and I met Joy McCracker Joy. as I pulled the Christmas cracker he's probably doing better lyrics than that Probably not. That'll do. <laughs> and I met Joy Barton. That's Joey Barton. He played football. Where's my mind and going? And when we ate turkey at Mrs. <laughs> Plurkey's house, Jay, that's Joey Plurkey. Joy. Oh, dear. I, don't, I thought oh, it would God. be better. Just a list of joys. You know? Yeah, joy. Joy Maybe to the world. The All the joys you've met at the parties you've been to, Chris. I want to know. Yeah. It's just joyless, isn't he? Joy, that song is joyless well, like him. You know, yeah, yeah. Did, is he the one that Album. did Driving Home for Christmas as well? He did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Rea. That makes yeah. sense, yeah. Um, and as someone, you know, way pointed out sort of thing, we had Dio, we've got Goner, his brothers. <laughs> Goner. <laughs> yeah. I, think I, somebody laugh, I don't know why I'm laughing so much at that, but it's because... I can't remember chuckles, who it was, but somebody put that on Facebook, I think, when we were talking about it, or it might have been on Twitter, but like, or it might have been in Discord. Somebody said it somewhere, and I went, I can't believe you missed out his brother, brother, Goner. Whoever you are that said that, I doth my cap. Yeah, good one. There was another one as well, but I can't remember it. Uh, anyway, albums. Let's get into albums. God. Um, and 1st of November, number three, The Best Of, Volume 1, UB40. You know, the scariest no. thing about that title is Volume 1 implies there will be more. Yeah, there is more as well. I've no um, idea why they became popular. No. 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 We've talked about them before. Let's not talk about them anymore. Uh, we've spoken about these already as well. Number four, Crazy Nights by Kiss. Yeah, um, 14th album. 14th yeah. album. Got, oh, my gosh. It's got Crazy, Crazy Nights on it. You know, the candy of a thousand uses. That song. <laughs> what songs are on this? It's got Crazy, Crazy Nights and, oh, I'm in crazy, the basement. <laughs> crazy, Crazy Nights is a very good song. You've, you've got to listen to, listen to it more than once. <laughs> Absolutely. Is that why you put it on the album seven times? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Well, yes, yes. I want it in the basement. Uh, number six, <laughs> Best Shots by Pat Benatar. Yes, Pat Benatar. Dun, 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 Benatar. Sounds like an evil <laughs> villain from a sci-fi film, Benatar. It does, yeah. The evil Benatar <laughs> is rounding up children. <laughs> well, I think it's because in, in Batstar Galactica, you've got Baltar, and his evil uh, twin was Benatar. <laughs> it wasn't, but it should have been. I wish it was. <laughs> Oh, it's like Benatar by your command, Benatar. Anyway, uh, this is a platinum certified greatest hits <laughs> album. I don't know what platinum certified means, though. I don't get it. Means that. it sold a, a, a certain number, which I don't know off the top of my head. Might be 500,000 or 750,000. Uh, but just like platinum, I mean, maybe it's a platinum album. Anyway, it's, it's a platinum 
greatest hits album of and I couldn't tell you one part Benatar song anyway. Uh Treacherous Woman that sold us out to the bloody Cylons. Give me uh, hit, it wasn't hit me with your best shot. Yes, hit I'll me say with yes. Your best shot. Well that Benatar? Maybe I got it I wrong. Know. I don't know. I'm so, I keep um, I get her and um and someone else mixed up and I can't think of that Jet. is. So. <laughs> no, no. I don't know why I was thinking who I was thinking of then, but no. Um Lord, Lord nine. Baltar, really. <laughs> yeah, Lord Baltar, what should we do with Benatar? Release him and put a and put a hat on him. Release the Benatar. <laughs> Release the Benatar and give him his best hat. <laughs> it does sound a bit like a some kind of cream or ointment, isn't it? You've got a salt <laughs> patch of skin. Reach for the Benatar. <laughs> Either that or a cough syrup. Yeah. Or a or a gu- guitar and a banana merged. If you've got a little if you've got a little tickly throat, give yourself a slurp <laughs> on Benatar. <laughs> it's like like Benalin, Benalin, and something else mixed together. Yeah, <laughs> a little slurp. It's, thick, it's thicker than it's thicker than Benalin. It's more Is like your tar. cough's persistent. If your cough's persistent, have two slurps, not just the one. <laughs> you reach for Benatar. A slurp on Benatar. <laughs> Please note that slurp is not a medical term. <laughs> uh, side effects may may make you may include stuff. may include hair loss, hair loss, and <laughs> sell, selling your entire race out to the Cylons. <laughs> oh dear! Only only one percent chance. Uh, number nine, Mainstream by Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Uh, third album and final album. Took two years to make that as well. Yeah, it's probably why it's the final album. It's like, it takes yeah, that long good. to make them. Yeah, it's to make such a commotion. It's like everyone calm down, <laughs> right? We, and, and, just and record your bits. None of them are called Lloyd Cole. <laughs> no, who was Lloyd Cole? I don't know. He was uh, not them. I don't know. Pole vaulter, uh, very popular pole vaulter. <laughs> I have no idea. If that's, it, it might have been <laughs> <laughs> number ten. Is the singles by the Pretenders? We're going to get a lot of best ofs in this section. Oh, yeah, aren't we just? Yeah, yeah, let's just move along. Number band. twelve, Chronicles by Steve Winwood. Um, yeah, another one. This is first, but not his last. Yeah, um, another compilation. Yeah. Uh, number twenty-two, Seduced and Abandoned by Hue and Cry. No, Scottish duo, not my thing. Debut album for them. No, never on my radar. But I thought they were Blandcore, weren't they? I think I, I think, think they, they were... are Blandcore. I don't. With a name like Hue and Cry, they probably are. They probably are. Uh, number thirty-four, Sirius. Um, their tenth studio album, but as I've noted, this is actually one album where the recording could never be stopped, and it was later split into separate <laughs> albums. Legend tells that in a recording studio somewhere deep in Aberdeen, the recording is still going on. It probably is. I don't doubt that. And there's, just, um, this- they did a they did an album follow up to this, which was a bit more light hearted, called Not So Serious. But <laughs> 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 <Brum-tsh. laughs> let's get let's get serious again. This mileage in all of that. I don't, I don't know. I only know Clannad. That's the tenth yeah, album. They did the alternative uh, soundtrack to the Batman film. Not so serious. <laughs> Why so serious? Clannad's version would be nice and meek, wouldn't it? Um, I don't Batman, know. I just have a feeling that the hooded man. <laughs> Wherever they go, they drink lots of mead. That's what I think. That's what I think. To Cl- I think for some reason I associate Clannad with mead. Well, that's because that's that's because that's what they're made from. Robin um, Hood, the hooded man. <laughs> Boom, boom. <laughs> Number 37, Secrets of the Beehive by David Sylvian. Yeah, old Appy. We spoke about that, didn't we? In, I, mean, yeah, I don't we know did. why Japan broke up, and I mean the fan, not the place. Um, but um, yeah, like you said, it could be because he's just an unhappy guy, maybe. Yeah, no, he's always happiness. He's so, he's so happy. 
Um, number 48, Raise Your Fist and Yell by Alice Cooper. Big album, 10th album that from yep. Mr. Cooper. Um, now, uh, the question I was going to ask you about this, because this is, this, I made some notes about the infamous tour, which was dubbed uh, Live in the Flesh. When was mm. it you went to see uh, Alice Cooper? Uh, yes, I, I went saw to see him on live, the Trash Tour. All ah, right, which is the one probably after that then. It is or the one after this, after yes. That, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it had, yeah, because it was, uh, I was in the upper six, so it would be 1990. Um, yeah, that's right. So yes, I knew you'd seen um, Max, I couldn't remember if it was this one or not. And he did all the all the stuff that you've noted here. So he had all the, the guillotine and the people getting impaled and heads on spikes and stuff and all the kind of crazy yeah, stuff yeah. and slitting, slitting throats and all kinds of stuff. I, I like yes. the fact that he did a, an, a homage to his role, brief role of appearance in John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, Prince of Darkness where he impales somebody on a bike. <laughs> Just yes, really I know. The, the, the lesser known death method. Yeah, yeah, push bike. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not, you don't get many of them. Um, I don't know much about what's on the album. I didn't check into a lot of that because I was, as I know that it's just very theatric. At this point, it's theatric, but it's, I suppose it's got, there's been a couple of singles you, that we've talked about in there. So. If you're going to do that with a bike, though, it would have to be the Rally Chopper. Oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> I can't think yes, of any other. Yes. Or, the, or the striker. The, stri- <laughs> the rally striker. It's not the boxer, yeah. It's going to be the striker. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Um, in at number 69, All Right Now by Pepsi and Shirley. Don't call mm. your album All Right Now when it's like, you know, it's a classic rock song. Yeah, <laughs> free, you- okay. the guys in free uh, are like, should we let them get away with that? No, yeah, it's Pepsi and Shirley. They're called Pepsi, <laughs> for God's sake. Just let the, them go, yeah. Co- the copyright issues are bound for them. You know, they're doomed. <laughs> Well, maybe that was a name, what, Sally. What Pepsi. can we call ourselves? Pe- Pepsi and Coca-Cola release all right now. <laughs> um, right, we've got a problem with the title of your band and the title album. Everyth- everything, 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 everything's a problem. Your derivative, your name's a copyright infringement. Now that is an issue. You're <laughs> a living IP issue right now. No, change your name. No, we change can't. You can't call these. You're gonna have to become a nearly brand version of all of those things. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. You know, uh, little little <laughs> so Pepsi, little. <laughs> <laughs> X-Cola and... Yeah, Sparkly Cola. <laughs> sparkly Cola and um, Dr. 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 Salt. <laughs> Dear. Anyway, I, I didn't really listen to any tracks off that. I don't I don't know uh, them. And I don't well, there's a link it. to our next one, because the uh, 8th of November, it's straight in the one, obviously we've already spoken about it, Faith by George Michael. Yes. So 25 million copies worldwide sold of that. It's one of the best-selling albums of all time anywhere. So Certified Diamond. Jar. Mm. Yeah, Certified Diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America in 1996. Yeah, It's a really good album, Faith, by George Michael. There's no way around it. It's brilliant. Yeah, um, right. And it's his debut album as well. But to, for your debut solo album to sell 25 million copies is quite extraordinary. I mean, uh, should we... Let's let's roll this in to... It's bit. It, it's not like he's new. He's been, no, you no. know, he's become massive on the back of Wham. He's not going to sell. If this, if there'd been no Wham and this album came out, this isn't selling 25 million copies. Maybe. And also there's all the Ferrari, wasn't there, about his contract and his legal ties yeah, to Yeah, there's, there's no that. way that, you know, fair enough, you know, for a debut album, I'm not knocking it, but it's on the back of Wham. And Wham were huge. I, th- I think, yeah, I think there's no, there's no doubt about that. It's partly, but it's such a departure from the sound of Wham. It's nothing like It is, but, Wham. you know... So, but I think you know. I like all laid- of those things. <laughs> it's all good for me. I like them all. Yeah, but it is what. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I sound more annoyed than I should be. I'm not really bothered. Yeah, well, it's um, okay. You don't, you know, don't take it personally. <laughs> I do. Though. I take it so personally. I released another album at the same time. It only sold three copies. Uh, <laughs> number two, all the best by Paul McCartney. It, yeah, um, is it though? Because it's it's the second compilation album. So what was on the first one? If this is all the best. That was all the shittest on the first one. You made a fatal <laughs> mistake there, Paul. 
Release your good tracks on the first album. Maybe he's just wishing you all the best because it's Christmas. Yeah, maybe. You know what's on this album, don't you? The Frog Chorus. And that the one what we, we just had to put up with. Earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was it called? Yeah. I, can't remember. I don't want to remember know. it. Uh, number nine is Bette Noire by Brian Ferry. So right. stylish. Even his album titles are French. <laughs> so smooth. All uh, his seventh, seventh studio album. There, Mr. Ferry. He's gone full ferry on that one. Ferry, laden, smooth, <laughs> laden. all vowels, breathy. There's, that's the reviews of the various newspapers on the bottom of the album. That all smooth, vowels. the Times, all vowels, the Guardian, breathy, breathy. the Sun, <laughs> laden, the breathy the Times. Star. Yeah, yeah, full ferry. The uh, it's a magazine that you get on the uh, P and O. Not anymore. You don't. <laughs> no, not anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, number ten, Cloud Nine by George Harrison. Eleventh uh, and final of a studio album, co-produced by Jeff Lynne from ELO. With that, oh, yeah, they were in the Travel Wilburys together, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. And I, I actually quite like that album. It's good if you like that kind of it's thing. Right. Uh, number twenty, Control: The Remixes by Janet Jackson. So it's technically yeah, okay. a fourth album, but it's the first remix album. Now th- this is interesting because only because it's the beginning of the remix album, and we're going to see start to see more of these. And I think as we go more now into the Eight, you know, once we go through 87 to 88 and certainly through 88 we're going to see loads more of these remix albums they just became a thing so yeah they did I mean that was on the back of the was it the, I mean was thinking went out I mean the Jelly Bean Madonna one yeah as yeah well. that's what I mean that's what I say we, it's the, it's now that, that started the wave and now we're going to get more and more of them yeah um, um, number 23 is Eye of the Hurricane by The Alarm third album third studio album that couldn't give a yeah. toss about them no neither could I <laughs> number 34 Escape from TV Jan Hammer yep Compilation down, album. Down, 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 down. <laughs> What's on it? Oh, it's the Miami Vice theme. What else? Oh, I'm reading uh, the basement. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's from that that uh, Swedish program. You're creating here, could? Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, good one, Jan. Yeah. yeah. He's probably got brother Lump. His brother Lump's pretty good, from what I hear. Ball peen. <laughs> Sledge, of course. <laughs> Tack. Oh, yeah. Roof and uh, toffee. <laughs> They're all, all the brothers. hammers. <laughs> That's all the uh, hammers, yeah. Absolutely. And and the one they don't talk about, Head Shark. Well, they were furious when MC Hammer became popular because he was like, <laughs> they didn't, they, didn't, no, they were like, synth albums, man. Do synth albums. No, absolutely. do my own thing. Well, the, the, it was the Scottish wing of the family, the Jan Hammer family, that were really annoyed with McHammer. <laughs> <laughs> McHammer. So, of the clan McHammer. <laughs> the clan McHammer. Ah, there can be only one McHammer. <laughs> Stop. Uh, number 54 I don't know why I did that I don't know what that accent that was Danish I think Uh, anyway never mind number 54 Triumph and Agony by Warlock I can't believe there's a band called Warlock although of course I I can I went and listened I went and listened to it because it's German metal and I thought oh you know what I I do like my German metal not that one though (laughs) no no no. it's horrible Uh, that song you've linked to All We Are it suffered from Was Not Was Itis because they cannot decide how to sing it because it goes all we are are we all are all we we all are it's like think well, well, away they didn't have a clue what they were saying they were they were singing and learning things phonetically they didn't have a clue well, could, they could have been reading reading the bloody menu from McDonald's they, make, they don't know what they were saying the clan McDonald's absolutely clue that's their fourth and final album thank god yeah and thank god for, Number- bloody warlock <laughs> 
Number 86, Motormouth by Ben Elton. It's a live stand-up album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which doesn't resonate today very well. I watched a bit of it on YouTube, which is there. And it's, it's, he's a funny guy. That is, it's a bit dated now. It doesn't quite work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's, he's from the Times, isn't he? He was a very of-the-Times comedian. He wasn't an observational. Yeah. He was some like, good, what's so, going on? Yeah, there's some know. good stuff about trains on there, actually, about people on trains <laughs> trying to find seats and stuff like that, which is quite funny. But That's good. Number seven, uh, 15th November. Number seven is Savage by the Rhythmics. Yeah, it wasn't very well received there for their sixth album. It's the one that no, had that, that previous horrible track on it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the last one, but it certainly wasn't very commercially successful, which maybe would have sealed their fate. And it's yeah. also got some of the worst tracks of their entire entire career on it. Some awful stuff on that. It's terrible. Well, that, that will continue into our next one, but it's got number 10. It's Hold Your Fire by Rush. You said it was on the horizon. Um, I did. Well, time... Time Stand Still has come out. So um, I like this album. I mean, obviously, I, re- I do really like this album. one of the first got into. It's very synthy. It does have some cracking songs on it, though, but it's also got their worst track ever. Oh. Uh, some people do actually say Roll the Bones with its rap is the, the worst one, but um, this this has got a tr- song called Tai Shan, which uh, it's uh, really slow and loads of panpipes. Oh, panpipes are never good. No, no it's, it's about some climbing up a mountain in China. Oh, dear. No, no, it's no. It's really no. bad. It's really, really bad. Um, but it does have things like Force 10, Time Stand Still, Turn the Page, yeah. and Prime Mover on it, which are all great. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, number yeah. 24, The Greatest Hits of 1987 by various artists. Yeah. Yep, Greatest Hits albums, Assemble. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get <laughs> yeah, another lot the, of them. We're going to get loads of them now. Number 49, Love by Aztec Camera. Yeah, third album from yet another Love Scottish Aztec act. Camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did thingy, didn't they? Um, uh, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, somewhere in my heart there is. Oh yeah. There's there, there for you something for just you. the blue and yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I can't yeah, stop one. sniffing glue. Um, I've one. got a moldy. Yes. I've got a broken shoe. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. So it rhymes with shoe or blue or. I, you know, I really glue. like Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, really so, need I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> um, oh God, Do you know anyone called now. Stu? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number 96. Uh, we're at, uh, 96, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, number 96, Back for the Attack, Dokken. Oh, God, fourth uh, album from them. Don't like it, no. No, I don't like it either. I had to listen to that one no. you linked to and I was like, no, no, I'm out. No. I'm out. No. Uh, 22nd November, straight to number one, Whenever You Need Somebody by Rick Astley. <laughs> Okay. Get lost, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, number five, you can dance by Madonna. The remix album, uh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Was this the no? This is this the one we're talking about? No. no, this is a different remix album. Oh, is this is the second remix album or the first? Yeah, another remix album. Yeah, I don't know another if it's the first. One. I didn't check into the production, but I don't think it's the the. It might be actually. You can dance. Yeah, it might be the Jelly Bean one. It might it might be? But it's a remix might album be. anyway. Uh, yes. Number nine is Floodland by the Sisters of Mercy. Oh, that's a good album. That. It, it, a good album, that. Yeah, it's so it's yeah, it's got it's got great. It's singles. got the tracks on it. Yeah, yeah, it's so got I think it's... great singles. This corrosion, Dominion, Lucretia, as you've noticed. Uh, yeah. Dominion is a song so good he recorded it twice with different lyrics for Mother Russia. Yeah, true. I, I don't know. I quite I, I could forgive them because those tracks on it are already good. The rest of them mm. I couldn't give a toss about really. But um, there's <laughs> loads of blurb written on the wiki for that about all the controversy surrounding the sisterhood. I think we spoke about that all that before, but I, I yeah, just we did. Yeah, noted, noted that, that someone had taken the time to really write an essay on it in Wikipedia, which I was like, goodness me, someone, someone got got, got their pants in a twist there. Don't anger goths. No, no, don't, you know? don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, number thirty three is characters by Stevie Wonder. Twenty first studio album. Oh, God, it's skip up. Yep. Um, I don't know why you've written this on the next one. Number 37 is Kick by In Excess. Because <laughs> he stole my balloon. 
He stole Who my did? balloon. He stole your balloon. The guy from In Excess. He's just a did balloon he? stealer. Yeah, he stole my balloon. He got my good luck share. He got your good luck share. He stole my balloon. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> stole my balloon. Michael Hutchins. In the, in the true Batman tradition in, in the Batman movie is where Joker goes, he stole my balloon. And that's what oh, he see, did. He I, stole I thought you were referring to some to some weird American werewolf <laughs> reference. No, that's a, a naked American man. He's, he's yeah, not American. Mummy, mummy, a naked American man stole my oh, balloon. No, you got to do it in the, got, no, you got to do it in the right voice. Mummy, mummy, a naked American man just stole my balloon. <laughs> <laughs> he's just what? Got... what? What? Uh, number thirty-nine is the chart show dance hits eighty-seven. More, yeah, more, 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 yeah. more, more various artists. Number sixty-six yeah. is the Eternal Idol by Black Sabbath. Thirteenth studio album. I'm not. It's not an album I recognise or like particularly. Nothing no. Uh, number eighty-nine, the very best of Bread by Bread and David Gates. Who's David Gates? Why is he so bready? I don't know. Another compilation, How could they not course? call this compilation Get Ready to Rock? I mean, come on. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> bready, set, go. Exactly. You don't, doesn't, you don't, you know, if you're going to work a bread pun into an album, you've got, there's plenty of mileage in all of those things. You don't have to just call it the very best of bread. No, no there's loads true. of bake, there's baking jokes, bread jokes, there's different types yep. of bloody loaf. I mean, what are you doing? For your, a yeast for your ears. <laughs> Festive yeast. <laughs> the, 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 have a bready Christmas. <laughs> Festive yeast sounds something like you pick up on the night after a dodgy night out. Ew. What kind of places are you going to where you, the, the yeast infections, so especially loaf-based, it's just gross. Let me, get, let me get out the Benatar and rub it on. <laughs> you need the Benatar applicator. Six slurps and a, and a splodge and you'll be good as new. <laughs> Absolutely. You can drink it. Uh, you can paste it on. It's, it's, it's good either way. It's it's multifunctional. Multifunctional <laughs> medicine, the Benatar. <laughs> Please note, it will take two weeks to wash off. Um, don't, get so no, I, with, don't get in contact with skin. <laughs> there's some good bread songs out there. Um, yeah, I, don't like bread, I, don't, I don't like bread sauce, Ogie, though. <laughs> roll, baguette. <laughs> baguette. See, All the hits. How could, how, how could you baguette us? You know, there's just so many managed in, in bread-based jokes around that band. To just, just, just call your album the very best of bread <laughs> is an insult to the bread humour of the world and the humorists of bread. I which, love rock and you know, that's, roll. That's a, that's a secret. <laughs> I rock and, that's a secret society out there, um, and you've yeah. angered them with your with your lack you of bread based punnery, you breadless <laughs> breathers. Absolutely. It's at Christmas as well. Bappy Christmas. Honestly, it just that's what I mean. It's not, it doesn't take a lot to think of these things, does it? But they didn't do that. You, they didn't. They didn't you, take the time. And had because all that time when they were bake, when they were baking, uh, you know, the sourdough. They had three weeks. Exactly, they're anti-breadites, is what they are. Um, <laughs> we don't so like. I'm them. Sorry, but we don't like. And no, anti-breadites be gone. No, be gone. Uh, you're, not, you're two... not needed. <laughs> <laughs> Trombone man's come back from the creature of the Black lagoon. <laughs> Told you before, we don't want you around here. Bugger off. <laughs> uh, there's only two albums released on the 29th of November. Um, one was straight straight in number one, and that was now that's why I call music ten. Of course, it did. And and then straight in number three was hit seven. There you go, yep. double bar. Oh, good lord! It's a long music section. Five weeks. Was. Uh, that's it. There's your music for November. I'm sure it'll be very short next month because it's Christmas and no one released anything. <laughs> no. um, so it's because telling bread jokes again for two hours. 
Um, or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be back. We've got uh, how many games we've got left? Another five games to get through. Um, yes. and so we're going to go for a quick break, have some bread, probably, and be I back with those five games. So stay with us, and we'll see you in a bit. Sun, C and Chippy T to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com. Let's take another listen to his amazing new book, Escape from the Commodore 64. Our job, Mel continued, is to make as much money as we can and buy our way off this planet. This planet? Yeah, this is Targa. She pointed to another sign which read, Targa Tours, coming soon. Apparently you used to be able to find the means to escape just by plodding about, but the new mayor soon put a stop to that. And you've done this how many times? Sarah asked, knuckles white around the flight stick. Mel bobbed her head like the little cat Sarah's mother had on their car's dashboard. Oh, once or twice. You used to not die in this game, but... I get it, Sarah said, interrupting Nell. The new mayor. Nell nodded. Yeah, hotels are going up once he figures out how to change the graphics so they're not see-through vectors. Imagine taking a shower in this place. Sarah looked at Nell oddly and instinctively sniffed at her. With a whoosh, the craft shot out into the skies above. The altimeter whirred through a heart-pounding ascent, scenery flashing past in a kaleidoscope haze. As the mayor of Targ, I declare this book awesome. Escape from the Commodore 64 audiobook is out right now. Visit davidhernwriter.com today. What are you waiting for? And we're back after all that bready nonsense. We're in. I am properly full of bread. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. I'm. I'm pushing at the sides. That that final cob was uh, a exactly. stretch. Yeah, I'm going to be crapping out baguettes. <laughs> well, you, see, I washed all mine down with a nice pint of Benatar. <laughs> I should. I washed mine down with um, with liquid uh, sourdough mix. So that's just going to stick to the sides. It's not going to end well, is it, for anyone? It's not. No, your toilet, your cleaner. Mm, come to think of it, you. It said, "Come to think wife. of it, you said don't." It said, "Don't drink the starter, the uh, sourdough starter." I should have. Sh- I didn't see the word "don't." I should have probably taken note of that. Oh well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Well, you just took, you read it as dough. See? <laughs> Go drink. Oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely, and then feast have on you. Yeast. Dr- have you been drinking bread again? Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> How often have we told you don't drink the bread? Cold water, cold the water board. The drains are going to be blocked for months. <laughs> oh, they'll have to send Michael down again. <laughs> oh, Michael. All uh, right, where are we? We've got games. We've got five more We've games, games left. So let's get into the first one of them. And we are in well, it's conversion territory again. Another nine quid. Another Imagine title. This is Renegade. Renegade. So, Graham, you are hot-blooded tough guy Kunio. That's me. Did you know that? Or Naketsu Koha Kunio-kun. That's probably pronounced terribly, but that's what it is. Or simply put, Renegade to us over here in the West. So, yes, what we have here is the C64 conversion of another groundbreaking, trend-setting arcade game set the stone set the tone and style for countless titles to come so renegade was developed by technos japan and was dis- distributed in the arcade by tato potato ho ho in 1986 <laughs> <laughs> that joke will never get old the game was created by yoshihisa kishimoto and strangely is supposedly semi-autobiographical 
being based on his memories of high school and always getting into fights, as well as drawing inspiration from the Bruce Lee film Enter the Dragon. So in the original Japanese version of this game, Kunio was just a high school student who must stand up against a series of rival gangs who keep harassing harassing sorry his classmate Hiroshi. When it was released in the West, however, this was changed to just controlling a street brawler. Um, who must make his way through four different gangs in order to rescue his girlfriend, who is being held captive by a mob boss. Other changes for the West included altering the visuals, and they took a look that was inspired by the 1979 Walter Hill film The Warriors um, and and moulded it more around that. So this is another very important game in the evolution of video games. Um, As like Nemesis did... This was the first of what would come to be called, I've never seen this title, but supposedly this is the scroll format of fighters. So, Correct. There you go. It's built on thing. It built on things like Kung Fu Master, uh, which kind of did this before, but hey ho. But it added the ability to move both horizontally and vertically within the level, and introduced the notion of combo attacks, as well as the three-button control scheme, as well as the iconography of street brawling. Um, I don't really need to mention games like Double Dragon, Final Fight, Streets of Rage and those kind of things, which all led on from this, and loads of others, Knights of the Round, Golden Axe, tons. This really set a tone and set a style. One thing I would worth worth noting here, sort of thing, is, although it's talking about that moving horizontally and scrolling, we've had games, Ultimate Games, Staff of Karnath and Entombed, had a very similar visual style way before this. They didn't do the combat and everything, but from a visual style, yeah, okay, you know, let's just, let's just give them a sort of little bit of props, maybe, they were doing that. And we've seen a few games on the C64 that do that kind of sort of side and thing, that detective one as well. Anyway, Renegade on the C64. Uh, it was coded by Max Taylor, who, as far as I can see, didn't code anything else. So this was it. Um, it's got graphics by Steve Waheed and Jane Lowe, and we've seen them on lots of Ocean and Imagine titles too many to go through and yeah because it was converted by imagine um there isn't much in the way of music um just in game i think because nothing on the title screen that i I could hear so i think there may be a memory issue as this manages to have the full game in just one load so i guess something had to give maybe they couldn't they just didn't have the space to put you know big you know epic ocean tune in there at the start so once loaded you've got a title screen and the word renegade is spray painted across a wall and that's about it you know you you will flick to a there's a high score table as well but it's essentially you know quite urban quite gritty getting going for that style um so you press fire and you get into the game so quite quick um and the gameplay within renegade is pretty simple really so you find yourself in a stage with a number of bad dudes um who you must beat up uh, and make them basically until they've got a health so you need to beat them up more than once once the, once you've done this they disappear once you've done enough damage them to disappear once you've knocked enough of them out the boss of the level will appear if you beat them it's on to the next level to do mostly more of the same thing there's some little changes here and there but mostly you're doing this from level to level the levels that you have to fight through are the subway uh, the harbour the street alley you fight in the foyer of the boss's car dealership and then finally in the office of the boss the mob boss who's got your girlfriend. If you make your way through all of these, you get a shortcut scene of you being reunited with your girlfriend before the game loops around again and you start again. So there you go. It's, it's an arcade thing. It's, it's, you know these type of games. Loads came after this, but this kind of set the style for this. Fight through many stages with many different types of enemies um, and try and get to the end if you can. So on the first level, you have to beat up some unarmed dudes and, and some dudes armed with clubs. Um, before the boss turns up and it's a sunglass wearing boss he's got sunglasses and a uh, a waistcoat sort of den- sort of come kind of like you know chunky waistcoat on the second level you must survive and first of all you've got to survive an onslaught of motorbikes before beating up more dudes so for the motorbikes you've got to you have to jump and jump kick so you jump and kick and that knocks them off and you got to you got to knock out four of them 
before the fighting continues, and then you you beat up the boss as well. The third level sees uh, the 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 enemies on that. Um, if I remember rightly, um, they look like mimes. I think they're mimes. Um, and then there's the boss as well. The third level sees you face off against women. Um, I think they're supposed to be prostitutes, probably women of the night, whatever whatever they are. Anyway, they're armed with ships. Ships? No. <laughs> Shivs, I think. Uh, whips. Whips. I don't know why I've turned that. It should be whips. They're armed with whips and clubs before beating up. The, and then, But then you've got a, the boss. Is a, she's called Bertha, I think. And she's a running boss. So she comes charging at you and will knock you out. So you've got to kick her, kind of like you did with the bikes, essentially. If you get to stage four, that has you beating up henchmen. There's only one type of enemy on this. So you've got shot henchmen and they're armed with knives. Um, before the final level... There's more knife wielders and a boss who who has a gun to contend with, so you gotta you gotta look out for that. The game's pretty fast. The C64 version is pretty fast and it's responsive. And although the sprites are a little chunky, they're pretty well animated. There's loads of flame, frames of animation. I like the punching. Um, it looks looks all right. And the different types of enemies, they're okay. They're chunky, but they look distinct and it's easy enough to tell them apart. Um, I thought the backdrops are pretty well drawn um, and they've really got, they do have that warrior's vibe. It's not quite as dark and gritty, but you can't really do that on the C64. But the, it looks like that, the, you know, the, the, the tube station or the train station looks like what it looks like. And, you know, they've, they've done a decent job, I think, of replicating the arcade machine. The in-game music is a bit tinny, though. But again, it sounded like the arcade game. The arcade music is not particularly that great. So they've just replicated that. So it's all right. So all that is good. And now this leads us to probably the most divisive factor of this conversion and that is the controls so the game is controlled through movement on the joystick and attacking and jumping on the keyboard so this is a weird control system the fire button as far as i can make out does nothing i don't know if it did do anything but i don't think it does anything so i guess this is an effort to replicate the control mechanism of the arcade machine remember in the arcade machine this game introduced that three button control system with a stick as well as for movement so you can't do that with a single button you know fire button, you know joystick so if you had a machine if sorry if you had a joystick that had suckers on it you kind of okay you could some joysticks remember about that you could suck it to the thingy you could move that and have your hand on the keyboard you kind of be all right. So you use essentially the top three top uh, buttons in the top left corner. So it's the backspace, delete, uh, one and two. Um, and they do your attack to the left, jump and attack to the right, respectively. So, and that's quite useful because when you, you, you can do kicks and back kicks. I'll come on to them in a bit. If you didn't know, if you didn't have a you know, suckery joystick, uh, I imagine this, this control method would be a complete pain in the ass. If you had to try and move a joystick and hold that and try and keep it steady and everything, uh, that'd be a pain in the ass. However, so if you can get on with it, there's a decent enough port of the arcade machine here. All the stages are here, um, present and correct about a couple of the more advanced moves so the move set you've got essentially you've got a, a you've got punch so if you're facing you know whichever way you're facing if you're facing to the left and you press the left attack you'll punch if you're facing to the left and you press the right attack you'll do a back kick that's kind of it you can jump as well so you can jump and if you jump yeah and press either either way you'll do a kick in that direction so you can jump and do kicks as well so it says the, the manual also says you have the ability to beat them on the floor so crouch and punch them but i could i could never pull it off i could never do it so i don't know if it's in there it's in the manual but i, I don't know what the control the controls don't actually tell you how to do it and it but what it doesn't have is it doesn't have the sort of uh, 
the lunge attack. Or, you can grab them. So if you punch them a few times, if you move into them and press the control, it will grab them and you can then smack them around the head as well. But you'll be getting hit from all, all sides of this. Um, so most of it's there. Most of the arcade is present and correct. Um, and that includes the time limit for each level. And that I found is normally the thing what did me in. I ran out of time. And if you do run out of time, it's game over. Um, so that introduces that. So if you run out of time, it's game over. And that's because... I found that the, the the main flaw with this game is that the combat is a, it's just a bit broken in this version. And the only way to really overcome all the enemies is to back yourself into a wall and just let them get in range and punch or kick them repeatedly. I, that's the only way I could figure out to do it. And even looking online at people who've done playthroughs on, on YouTube, that's how they've done it. Because if you stand in the open and you'll just get surrounded and swarmed, then you won't you won't be able to punch anyone. You just get you know if you let them get in range, and they'll just do that. And if you do do that, then it's possible to if you can do it in time to walk through most of the levels because they'll just come into range. And if you've already punched one, the next one will just walk into range as well and you can just punch the pair of them and it gets very easy. Obviously, there are some bits like the bikes and the boss on level three where this won't work, but it's really a, quite a legitimate tactic. And that's because there's an issue with the movement in this. When you're walking around, you move really fast, but the enemies walk backwards just as fast as you do as you walk forward. So you can't close the gap on them. So you can't assist a pair of you just walking along and you can't get close enough to them to punch them. And that you know that, that's odd and it's frustrating. And it leads you into this mode of play, which back into a wall and just wait for them to line up. And uh, it's such a shame because all the rest of it's kind of almost there. And, and you know they'll always duck as well when you do a flying kick on them which is annoying. So you can't really use that as a as something to sort of have some distance. If you try and do the back kick, the, the one in the front will just zoot close in quickly and punch you and then you, you're stunned and then the, all th- you know, the one at the back and the one in the front will just, they'll both lane into you. It's a decent port of the original game and it gets better by its sequel. So I'm looking forward to playing Target Renegade somewhere down the line. It is, however, if we're going to talk about other versions because it's an important game. It's not the best 8-bit computer version though. That goes to the Amstrad version. I remember playing it a lot. My friend had an Amstrad, and this is one of those games that the Amstrad went, this is a much better version, and they're not wrong. It's much better. It looks better. The graphics are really good on that Amstrad version. It doesn't scroll, though, which is, a, you know, the CC4 does. It has flick screen, but I don't think this is a game that really loses much from not scrolling. It's just a, it's just a better visual representation, and it played better, and, and it was easier to do the downward hit. Still, I thought the CC4 version is pretty decent. It's all right. Um, it's just... I know the f- the meat of the game is that combat, and if that's a bit broken, that might put it in, and the controls are a bit weird. But they got close. They'll get closer when we get Target Renegade. But I, I, I didn't mind this, and I think it's important in, in where it lands, but I just wish that combat was just a bit better in that walking speed and you could close the, close the gap on them. Just, uh, just that frustrated me. What about you? How did you find... 60, the C64 version of Renegade. It's all right. I've always, always had a bit of a soft spot for Renegade. It is very, very early side-scrolling beat 'em up There's a really great entry in the Ghost Straight book, The Ultimate Guide to the Side-Scrolling Beat-Em-Ups, which is an excellent book, by the way, really, really good. And there's a t- entire three-page section on Renegade and its importance and its varying names and its influences and, and how it led to do- Double Dragon and, and, and all of that. And so, yes, it's very important because it's kind of, you know, it's almost, almost, it's at the same kind of starting point as Kung Fu Master, which is kind of seen as the precursor for a lot of this stuff as well, as you've rightly said. So the C64 version, it's all right. It's not one of my favorites of this type. And my, my, and that's because I don't really like these kind of games on this platform. I much prefer them later down the line. I kind of got more into them when the Sega Mega Drive and stuff like that sort of came and, and the arcades around that time as well. So I remember playing this at the time and thinking it was okay, but like the controls are a bit odd and it, it is buggy. I, I think it, it feels buggy to me. Um, the fighting is quite ploddy and stilted and, and it, it sort of works here and there, but doesn't quite work. And you can quickly get stuck in kind of a loop where you can't get out of anything. 
Mm. Um, so I think this is, it's again, it's a good arcade conversion in the sense that it's a C64 version of something and they've managed to cram quite a lot in there. Um, it sort of plays almost good enough and it's in the same kind of arcade conversion realm as Ghost and Goblin. So it's it's, it's an almost almost there um, and it's not bad. Um, it got a quite high review, didn't it? 90% in Zap, I think. And Yeah, it got Sizzle, yeah. And that's that's fine. You know, I, I get I get maybe why. Maybe they did see the importance of this. They obviously love the arcade and the arcade is quite good. But um, yeah, this is, this is all right. I don't. I don't think it's this. The C64 version, as you said, it's not the best version to play. Um, and yeah. this genre gets better, and not because of Renegade, but Renegade is kind of a good, a really good starting point for many of the tropes that later these games rely on. So, and like you said, it is basically the warriors they've just robbed the, you know even the mimes are from the warriors and some of the graphics the iconography is straight out of that so yeah. yeah it's all right it's it's okay it's a perfectly acceptable game if you accept its flaws but for me i much prefer the games this version this game on another platform and i also prefer these types of games on other platforms this isn't the best place to play them so well i i, I know i know i loved target renegade back in the day I loved it. It's one of the few six six four games I could, you know, complete through all the yeah, way through. I think I think you might have um, happy eyes for that, but we'll see as much as we get to that. I just remember the, the, I remember the graphics being really good. They're all high res sprites, aren't they? It's all really, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's but, just what you remember is that it, it, it looks good. It's just sparse, is what you're when you see it again. But yeah, we'll come probably. to that. We'll come to that. Probably. Come anyway, that. yeah, we will. Um, but yeah, there's Renegade, the C64 version of Renegade, another important mm. title. Yes, it is. As, as we move through all these games, let's let's move into our next one. And we looked at the crapvert for this last last we week. Did. Last week, um, and so Graham, uh, take us into the mean city. This is created by Jeff Gammon. <laughs> um, title screens by Sam Wade. Musician is Paul Meredith. Here, I'm not sure it was published by. Anyway, it doesn't it's matter. Quicksilver, isn't it? Quicksilver, nine ninety five. Uh, yeah, Quicksilver, nine ninety five. This was. So the Earth has been smashed in by a nuclear war. Isn't it always? And Again. the survivors have split into two factions, city folk that live in the cities or the remains of the cities and mutants that wander around <laughs> the wastelands, that, I guess. Isn't that Judge Dredd? <laughs> it's Judge Dredd. It's also, it's also the story of the Daleks and Doctor Who, Genesis of the Daleks, but hey-ho. Anyway, following a sneaky raid, Hanty, leader of the mutants, has been captured by the city folk. Upset by the shitty turn of events, Santi, son of Hanty, <laughs> decides to infiltrate the city and go on a rescue mission. This is no simple task. The key to Hanty's cell has been split into four sections and hidden within separate parts of the city on different plinths. On top of that, Calty, fuck's sake, uh, cousin of Hanty, has set off to kill Santi because he wants to be the leader of the mutants. <laughs> Meanwhile, so, Hanty. So, so, so going to kill Santi and Hanty because he, anyway. So this is a two-player or a CPU versus, you know, you player, a game where one is Santi and the other is Calty, and both trying to find <laughs> Hanty, God's sake. <laughs> the game is played from a top-down view where you see, kind of gauntlet style, where you are and sort of the environment, and you navigate that in the top-down orthographic view with the screen split into three sections. Player one, Hanty, uh, no, sorry, Santi. I get the names right. You've got to get these things right. Santi at the top, I think, and Calty at the bottom. <laughs> In the middle, you've got an area where you can see their health uh, health indicator and score. So obviously the idea of the game is you've got to navigate your way around the the, the city or the various parts of the city looking for the keys, uh, the four parts of the key, so you can release Hanty if you are Santi. But if you are Calty, then you're looking for Santi to maybe kill him. <laughs> I'll steal the keys from him so you can get to Hanty and kill Hanty first and take over his 
Hey, so it's very complex, hanty santy calty logic, really. But um, <laughs> so, uh, the okie dokie, isn't it? Um, so the inhabit- <laughs> so the, the inhabitants of the city don't like mutants, and so they all try and kill you at every turn, or at least deplete your energy until, if you lose all your energy, it's death, um, and that's the end of the game. And you actually go back, and all your and this is an annoying part as well. Any key parts that you've collected are also returned back as well. So it's literally <sighs> you go to, you know, it's stupid that. If Calty kills Santi or vice versa, then any keys that those have collected are transferred back to that person. So if Santi apps off three key parts and kills Calty or the other way around, then they, they then the keys are switched over. The first person with four key parts can either release Hanty and kill him or release Hanty and, you know, and everyone's happy. So you get all that? I hope you did. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have to say. <laughs> just, just glad there isn't a character called Panty. That's all I'm saying. Well, I did say that. What's Panty up to? Well, don't. Does, who knows and who cares graphics era <laughs> medium res <laughs> they move around quite slowly in that kind of gauntlet tradition i guess um you don't get to see a whole lot of the screen so it is split into those thirds as i said and the middle is that health indicator bit so you've just kind of squeezed into the top of the bottom there's a lot of yellow and brown in this the music's kind of passable i suppose it's just you know, sound effects sort of simplistic sound they're kind of tonal sound effects i suppose they work for the context of what it is there's some like, reasonably good presentation i suppose but the whole thing is sluggish and a bit slow and ploddy in a game that probably could do with being a bit more frantic and because it isn't those things you just kind of meander around looking for hanty or calty or santi or whatever the hell you're doing <laughs> and picking up keys and just wandering around really and that's it's quite easy to get lost as well as you wander around there's no real way of mapping this i suppose you're just going to wander around till you find the key parts or die or get them taken off you just it's a bit too slow to be fun and so you end up just meandering around plodding about and and that isn't very interesting or exciting and and that's the key problem here is that considering this is a game where somebody's after somebody or, you know, you've got to get to a certain point by a certain time. There's no real sense of urgency here. It just kind of just plods about, meanders around, nothing much doing. Mm-hmm. Graphics are average, not terrible, but they're average. It's a straight down the middle of the road average game and a 51% score from Zap kind of confirms that. 10 quid though, quite a lot of money for this. Don't know that it would really, it's 10 quid with a fun, whether you're Hanty, Santy, Panty or whatever the hell you are. So uh, I didn't really think much to it. It's, the score's pretty much accurate. I didn't play it for long. I got bored of it really quite quickly. What about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. This is a split-screen gauntlet variant with a viewpoint so wide it would put CinemaScope to shame. Yeah, it's um, wide. And that's really the main issue. It's so narrow and so much of the screen is taken up with a pointless UI that playing this and moving vertically at all is pointless as enemies upon you before you even know it. I mean, the UI, to be fair, is probably the nicest part about this game, even though it's unreadable as the rest of it, with its indistinct sprites and nondescript music and sound effects, are not up to what we expect from a full-priced game at this stage. I mean, I suppose the competitive split-screen gauntlet thing is new to the genre at this point, but when you can't see what is going on or have any real indication of what to do, and you're like, even though the, half of the screen is that, that massive UI, your life meter is unreadable. I couldn't figure out whether I was close to death or not. Um, mm, the idea yeah. behind it, the, the sort of different objectives, is just, just all moot. And, and as you've rightly said, the controls are slow and clunky as well. I, I didn't find this. This yep. was just not fun to play at all. Nope. No, no, mean, mean shitty. Yeah. As far yep. as I'm concerned. There we go. Yep. I didn't. It's just a I, just no. stupidly overplotted, overcomplex, just dull. Oh, we can only, if we're going to split screen this, we can only actually scroll that like that much of the screen separately. So we'll have to take up the rest with the UI. You can't play it that way. It's just rubbish. Right. So no, no, not for me. Nope. There we go. Mean City. Let's move along.
And let's get in the pool. Let's get in the pool. It's water polo. So full price water polo. This actually was weirdly, this would come out as a budget title. So I think it gets a budget re-release somewhere down the line from Astronic. Uh, but this version is from Gremlin Graphics and it's full price, $9.99. Uh, water polo is supposedly the toughest ga- team game in the world. Although, you know, because well, to stop is to drown and no yes. one wants to drown. I mean, I, I you know, I don't know, games like that, Highlight and Kabaddi, they're quite, they look quite competitive and weird. So I don't know. Water polo was also, according to the box, among the first team games to be played at the modern Olympics in 1900. 1900. Wow. And its rules were created by William Wilson, who was a Scottish aquatics pioneer. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know what an aquatics pioneer is. I don't know. Maybe he created the rules for this. Maybe made up swimming strokes. Anyway, so this is full price, as I said. It was created by, by, and apologies if I get these pronounced wrong, uh, Gabor Gabor Pongyo and Antal Zolnai. They did the coding. Janos Zana uh, and Niklos Herendi on graphics and sound. Now, Gabor, Antol, and Janos, they obviously have some kind of team because they're also going to go, they will go to work together again um, on alternative on games called Alternative World Games and a game called Sports Aroni. Um, and we right. may see them in later episodes, but who knows? So, anyway, so they've obviously got a penchant for doing sports games, but here we go. So, Water Polo is a game, the basics of Water Polo, let's go through them. It's a game, if you don't know what it is, it's a game played by two teams in a swimming pool with there's goals at the end. Essentially, it's, you know, it's handball or football, but in water. You know, it's a team based game where the object is to score in the goal at the other end. You swim about, you pass to your teammates, and you try and score in the opposing goal. I'm not going to go through into finite details on the rules because there's quite a lot to do with how you can pass, how you can block, what you get sent off for. There's, there's loads of really weird rules, but I'm not going to go into them. So, what do we have? In this game, you've got two teams of six players, um, and in the C64 version, we've got the white team and the black team, and that's denoted by their swimming caps. So you, the teams are composed of five outfield players or out pool players, I suppose, uh, and a goalkeeper. So as noted in the C64 version, it's exactly like the normal version. The aim is to pass it forward and score and stop the opposing team doing that to you. So whoever gets the when the game lo- so whoever gets the high score wins. It's like that football, handball, whatever. So when the game loads, we've got some options. We have a demo mode, so where you can watch the two teams duke it out, uh, but you can give them different skill levels and see how that plays out if you wish. So that's quite nice. You can watch a level one player level nine and get hammered. So that's quite interesting if you want to do that. Um, other than that, we have a one-player mode, two-player mode, and a championship mode. So in one or two players, you play a single game against a computer or another player. Um, now, it was weird that when I played a two one-player mode, it asked me what level did I want my team to be at? But it didn't ask me what level I wanted the computer team to be at. So I'm not sure if that was asking me asking me whether it's a translation issue and it was giving a level to the team. I wasn't sure. It says in the instructions that you give them a, a level, but the, it was confusing. I didn't quite understand. And you also give your team a name as well before you play. In championship mode, though, something a bit different. So you pick your level and then you get to choose a team from the pikes, the seals, the frogs, or the ducks. So I don't think it actually matters what you pick. So once chosen, you because you can rename the team if you wish. So you can name what you want. Five letters you've got at your, um, at your disposal. So the good thing here, though, is that your championship can be one, two, three, or four players with the computer playing any that are not player-controlled. So that's quite a nice touch. So you can, if you use three of you, you can still play a three-player game and just have the computer take on the last one, two, whatever. You can just play a one-player and do that. Once you've exited there, there's a little exit button. It takes you to the list of games, and you pick which one to play through if, you, you know, if you're in a game, or you can watch the basic computer play itself and that sort of thing. So again, some nice touches there. In the championship mode, the score table keeps track of games won, lost, drawn, and the goal difference um, until the champion emerges at the end. 
So what's the game like itself? So the game itself is seen from a side on view. Think things like international football, international basketball, international tennis. It's it's more international football. It's like international football. It looks like that. So it's that kind of view. The pool takes up most of the screen. And along the top is the side side of the pool. And you've got a referee who walks along, keeping up with the play. And he calls out any fouls. So he animates. He seems to get quite angry and stuff. So it's, it's quite a nice little animated figure at the top. Although he does look a bit like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And there's a crowd behind him, which is the, you know, uh, the, the people watching the game. So as for the game itself... You control whoever is nearest the ball in typical fashion for this. So, and this is quite clearly noted. It's denoted you get a different colored swimming cap. I think it turns gray. Um, so that's the person you are controlling. You can swim in eight directions. Um, and when you have the ball, you stop by pr- pressing the fire button. You can just stop swimming. Uh, and if you press the fire button, this in- initiates the passing or shooting. So, and I think it's supposed to be in the direction you're facing, I think, but I might got it wrong. I don't know. So holding the fire button down, you can add speed by holding the joystick in the direction you are facing, or you can do a higher sort of lob throw, softer throw by holding it in the opposite direction. If you hold the direction, if you hold the joystick at 90 degrees to which way you're facing, it adds spin in that direction. So if you're facing to the right, for example, you hold the fire button down. If you press to the right, it's going to do a faster shot. If you press to the left, it's going to do a slower shot. If you push up, it's going to do a bend to the left, or it's going to put left spin on it, pull it down, and it'll put right spin on it. If you want to do com- you know, variants of this, you can use the diagonals to add spin with a fast shot and things like that. Once you've, when you've done all that, to throw the ball, you let go of the fire button and then quickly jab at it again, and your player should throw it, it you know, with the spin speed thing that you've you've, in, you've you've sort of put on it. And that is where the main issue lies in this game, or one of them. I played this for quite a while, trying to get my head around it, looked at the instructions, read through stuff, and I never really felt that the pass, what the pass that was happening was never, was actually what I was trying to get it to do. And then sometimes it would throw it in a direction I was not facing. So I never really felt in control of the game. And on top of that, no matter what level I stuck the computer at, they just unerringly went downfield and scored, or down pool and scored. So in one player, I never felt like I had a chance. And I didn't know how to get the ball off them. I didn't know how to tackle them. I never seemed to be able to block it. Um, and this kind of just, you know, wore me down and it didn't make me want to persevere enough to get good at it. As I've read around people go, oh no, once you get good at it, it's good. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it's worth worth the investment. The visuals are okay. There's some obviously some nice sprite multiplexing going on, I think, because all the player sprites are on screen at once. So you've got... You can, you know, if you goalkeepers on, there's the referee. So you've got a good number of sprites moved about, you know, five, you know, two teams of five plus a goalkeeper um, and the ref. So you've obviously got more than eight sprites and there's no flickers or anything. So it's all very smooth and everything moves around quite well. Um, I think they do this by keeping certain players in certain bands, so I th- you know, for, for the use of the 64, but it's good and it works. And that's quite nice. And I thought they're animated quite well. They look like swimmers. The swimming animation, the forward stroke, you know, the forward stroke is quite good. And the ball moves pretty well. You know, we've spoken about bad ball movement earlier on, but I think in this one, it moves pretty good. If you, if you, it just never seems to do what I wanted it to do. The sound was a bit nondescript though. It's got that white noise crowd hum that I think we mentioned in that basketball game, that two on two basketball game that you get in these kind of games and things like that. Um, and there's the odd whistle sound from the ref. And there's also uh, a nice replay feature when a goal is scored. So it'll sort of rewind back and show you a replay of the goal. So that's quite impressive at this point. I think in two player, you you might get an afternoon of fun out of this, but you know, 10 quid, you probably want some more. And maybe that's why the championship mode's in there. But obviously, I think if, you, if you're if really into water polo, you know, I don't think there's another water polo game on the C64. Um, so this is this is it. You know, and it's not bad in that respect. If you can get your head around the control and you get used to it, you might get a lot of fun from this. But if you're not, there are better, more approachable 
I mean, international soccer for one thing, two player sports games on the machine. And I think despite this being technically pretty good, the controls are a barrier to most people, I think, to, to trying to get on with this. And I think that they're just a bit too convoluted and don't quite work as well as they could do. And I think that's, there could have been a decent game here, um, but I think those controls get in the way a bit for me. Did you enjoy your time in the pool? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I never really, I never wanted a water polo game. I had no interest in water polo. And so making a making a game that was water polo was never going to appeal to me in any way. I gave this a shot, found that the graphics were okay. Yeah, it's technically quite clever, the way they've got all the sprites, multiplex and everything. The controls were just stupid and weird. And I, and I didn't have enough interest in water polo or the desire to play a game of water polo to get any further into it than just try and have a go and see where i could get so i didn't i didn't enjoy my time with it that's not to say that somebody might like it you'd have to be a fan of water polo just think if you're gonna some games lend themselves to a sort of two-player experience on a computer football generally things like that water polo is just so out there and so niche it's like making a you know two-player curling game it's just it's just (laughs) maybe there's maybe there's a you know maybe this is sort of there's a case for this to be part of a bigger sports game like a world games type thing i think Yes. But at the end of itself, it just felt this far too niche a sport to really be appealing to anybody. It's not, especially because in the UK, we don't have that breadth of sports at the school level to where water polo would have been anything that anyone in the UK really encountered. Uh-huh. Now, obviously, you know, there's the rest of the world out there and they may have got more out of this than, than obviously we did. I never, I don't think I've ever played water polo in my entire life or at least ever seen it. So no. it's completely outside of my regimen to even really get into anything like this. So no, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. And on top of that, the controls, like you, like you said, it never seemed to really do what I wanted it to do. And I was never really sure whether that's because I was crap at it. Well, I'm pretty sure I was. But I'd also didn't feel like I was ever controlling anything. It just seemed to do its own thing. Um, and I was always getting, you know, I was never going to beat that, the CPU player. So it seems like a lot of cash for something so niche. But hey-ho. That's what I mean, 2%. yeah. I think if this had come in at a budget price, it reminds me of um, in that kind of niche sports range, like something like Bump Set Spike, which um, yeah, that's that, again, Bump Set it's better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, a, it's great. A niche, you know, nineteen eighties sort of beach volleyball was not something that was massive in the UK, but it was two quid. No, but it's it's not as niche as water polo. <laughs> No, probably not. No, but I put it in. It's in that same kind of bracket. But yeah, bump set spike was better because it controlled a little bit easier. But it's in that that's ten quid. But like I said, this does hit budget range at some point. So maybe well, there's, that there's is an a better outside value chance you may have an outside chance you may have played beach volleyball or volleyball. There's an outside chance that at school you may have encountered that. Maybe the chance if you're playing water polo. If unless you're a you know a, a graduate <laughs> of Oxbridge, it's unlikely. That's, so no, nah, slim. No. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair enough. Fair point. Fair point. Well made. There you go. Water polo. This is what it says in the tin. It's a water polo game. But there you go. Let's move along. Because next up, we've got Anarchy. Just outright Anarchy. Outright Anarchy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Created by Michael Centinela with music by Nigel Grieve. Okay, the peaceful life on the planet Sentinel-4 has gone tits up because of rebels. Rebels, actually, <laughs> bloody rebels. They've taken over a security facility and they now keep a whole bunch of their weapons in warehouses. Warehouses. I'm feeling that these plots are wearing on you. Yeah, talk about inconvenience. Rebels and squatters is what this game has come to. Rebels and squatters. <laughs> So in a last attempt to sort this situation out, an ace Mark II tank has been sent in to blow their weapon stash up and leave them armless. So in this game, you control said ace Mark II interceptor tank um, and you have to drive it through the complex and destroy all the weapons containers. But at the same time, 
avoid the security guard droids as they are deadly to the touch. And when all the containers have been destroyed, the building's security system will open, allowing you to escape deeper into the complex. There's a time limit on each one of these sections, which is about two minutes. And so you've got to complete it in that time. Otherwise, the security system will detect your presence and drain all oxygen from the building, killing all intruders. Every fifth building within the complex contains the Rebels' nuclear weapons. These buildings are guarded by a special droid, which senses the presence of an intruder, following his exact course taken until it catches and destroys you. So you've got to be careful with that one. So, yes... um, that's this, that's essentially this game. So it's a bit of a scroll, navigate your way around, and it's a bit weird the way the game plays out. So you're kind of inside of a maze. It almost feels like you're in a weird tank version of Pengo at certain times. Yes, um, yes. But you sort of you sort of driving around, shooting shooting at blocks, periodically blowing them up with kind of cool sound effects. And sometimes when you shoot the enemies, they turn into blocks, which you can then move around. Anyway, the idea is that you shoot your way through each level and shoot enough of the level to go to the exit, to go to the next level, to shoot more of that, and so on and so on and so it goes. The game graphics are medium res tile sort of affair. So you're in kind of mazes constructed of blocks. So think a bit like Boulder Dash type blocks, you know, so a tile-based game, yeah. essentially. Pengo, um, like you said. Yeah, like Pengo. You need to move around and navigate this tank. Navigating around is fairly easy enough. You've got a strange option for increasing the response. I think it's the responsiveness or sensitivity when you first start. So you can sort of, you know, you can be faster or slower, I guess. And that's kind of the novice, medium skill or hard, I guess, is the way that that kind of affects the gameplay. So you move, navigate your tank around the joystick, shoot with a button, obviously. It's pretty responsive. Again, that responsiveness, like I said, can be altered at the title screen. I thought it played all right for what it is so blocks are on the kind of base release side of graphics it does have some nice playability to it runs pretty well and um, there's no slowdown or bugs that i could see in it really it's just boring all said and done it's 199 though so not bad value it's a bit boring but it got 83 percent in zap i just thought for 199 you just there's, there's something to do it, there's no real bugs in it and it looks quite, it looks okay. And you can sort of, you know, navigate your way around. And it, there's a fit simple, fairly simple mission, you know, just shoot stuff. It's pretty driver tank, anime shoot stuff, stuff at 199. Is it not bad value for that? I suppose it's going to kill an afternoon. It's not the greatest game on earth though, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not absolute crap either. Um, I don't know if it deserved 83% really, but it's all right. I suppose there's enough game here for two quid to go at. I, I, I played it for a bit and it's just, it is what it is. There's not a great deal more to it than what you, you, know, yeah. what you see is what you get. It does that thing that most of these kind of games are doing, these budget games. It takes a sing- fairly simple single idea or maybe a single idea plus a little bit and just does that a lot. <laughs> you know, do that, do this thing loads. No, do this thing more. You know, level three, you're doing more of the thing you did in level one, just more of it with more difficulties, more. All right, for two quid, I'll go for that. Not bad. What did you think? I don't know why it's called Anarchy, but okay. Yeah, I have no idea why it's called Anarchy. But it's a, um, it's from Racket, isn't it? Which was Hewson's budget label. Yeah, yeah, it's Hewson, yeah. It's Hewson Consultants, yeah. It's yeah. weird. So it's a, it's, a, it's I mean, it's a puzzle blaster, isn't it? It's not something we see very yeah, often. Um, well, I mean, it is, because it's a maze game. You've got to destroy all the crates, as you said. Because the trick to it is that you, you've got to have space between your ship and the crate to shoot it, haven't you? So you can't be next to the crate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to be away from it. And then yeah. so you've got to kind of work out your way. You've got to, you know, clear out pathways to allow you space to destroy them whilst also avoiding the bots moving about. You can also shoot and stun for short periods of time. So it's it's not always obvious how you can destroy some crates and you kind of have to move away around and shoot some out to allow you to get into a gap that gives you space to shoot some of them and, and so on and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like the, the, the way you clear a maze is not always obvious at first but you know it, there is generally only one way to do it as well so there's a set way of getting through so it's, it's okay like you said it's a puzzle it's it's, uh, it's a puzzle game really you can push you know when you do sh- stun the enemies you can push them around with your gun so you can sort of like use them as temporary barricades to stop other meanies getting in and they last for a little bit 
the design of the mazes was quite good, quite interesting. I thought the first one was a bit weak. They get better as they go along. It's an interesting concept, but like I said with Pi R squared, although Hank before I get to that, it, what it could have done without was resetting the level every time you die. That gets that's really annoying. Yeah, but that's budget games. Though. I know that's, that that's they do that. That's I'm just saying that's, that's the thing. And 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 again, like Pi R squared before, it, you know, give me some kind of password system to skip through stuff. Um, so I don't have to fight my way through the levels I've seen every time. I mean, there's some nice options. There's a two-player mode. Um, like you said, it looks all right. The graphics are quite nice. It is what it is. It's a bit representative visually from what everything is. It moves smoothly. You can you know three difficulty levels. However, you want to control it. It's all there. It all works. Two quid. I yeah. It's, I thought this was one of the better budget releases we've seen recently. This is app scoring yeah. when you're giving Swamp Fever and stuff like fifty odd percent or whatever. You can clearly see why they've got eighty three because they've got left themselves no room. But um, I would have probably put it that high, being the seventies or something like that. But for a couple of quid, if I had to pick this up, I think I would have been. I'd have, I'd have played through most of this, trying to figure out my way through the mazes. So all right, I, I didn't particularly mind. I wasn't sure what to expect. It wasn't a sort of puzzle blaster with tanks. It's also you know it's a bit like. Um, you know, the, the tank section in Tron as well, a bit. There's a bit an element of that and Pengo and everything in this. But it's all right. I didn't mind it. But yeah, Anarchy, God knows why. It's all right. There you go. Two quid Anarchy. Two pound Anarchy. Budget Anarchy. It's like just it's like a fight outside a pub. Budget Anarchy. Or maybe fight outside a little. Here we go. Let's move along. So our last one. And um, we've got a a big one to end on perhaps let's have a talk this is morpheus 10 pound and a sizzler at 90 percent to get that out there let's put that in there now morpheus is the god of dreams in greek mythology and he's also Lawrence fishburne's character in the matrix trilogy and i'm not speaking of the new one so welcome to the desert of the real or more accurately andrew braybrook's new game morpheus so this is an interesting one i'll give it that um but is it actually any good hmm, don't know Let's have a think. Um, it's programmed and graphicked by Andrew Braybrook, and it has sounds courtesy of Steve Turner. This is the Graph Gold duo back at the helm. Uh, but this time they're under the publishing win of Rainbird. Rainbird, Rainbird, and not Hewson. So this is the first game they've not released under Hewson. So this looks like a Braybrook game. Let's, you know, it. You load this up and, oh, yes, this looks like an Andrew Braybrook game. It's got all the technical presentation that we've come to expect and the smart graphical style that he does very well. It's got his usual bass relief style and the sounds are those strange mixes of computer bleeps and whistles that characterize his games and shots and blasting and shoot. It, it looks and sounds and feels like a Braybrook game. All that is present is correct, as is the quality of the coding, the weight of care uh, and consideration that's gone into this game. You know, it's all there. It is obvious that Braybrook really gives a damn about all aspects of the game. Um, and having read his diary that ran through most of 1987 in his app, this comes through not only in his writing, but in the finished game as well. Everything is polished. Everything works as it should do. Everything is smooth. There's no frame rate drops, no flickering sprites. He's, he goes on quite a lot about his 32 sprite multiplexer um, in the article sort of thing and actually you know, rubbishes. He obviously is not a fan of Chris Butler's work because he rubbishes both Ghosts and Goblins and Commando, um, but hey-ho. Uh, this is a polished, top-notch piece of game-making from a technical perspective. Let's just put that to one side. Of that, there's no doubt. But we said the same of Alley Cat as well and you know that was amazing from a technical point of view everything looked and everything but that was a bit of a miss for us you know the 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 the, the egg inside the scotch egg as we called it had gone off so is it the same here so let's go through the game and we'll come back to that so morpheus tasks you with clearing the nuclei from 50 sub universes 
each of which is made up of said nucleus and 32 orbitals. So the objective is to enter each universe, shoot enough of the orbitals uh, that will then force the nucleus to shut down. And once it's done that, you can move on to the next one. Within each universe, there are enemies or things, and they're called aethers, uh, and they meander about. Um, and these can be shot for cash money, uh, which you also get from destroying the nucleus and collecting the debris, this triangular debris that emits from it as it decays. Just before it blows up, it'll emit these triangular shapes. And if you fly into them, you get money. And this money allows you to improve your craft with various new systems and weapons to enable you to progress. As the subsequent universes get harder to survive in and the number of orbitals needed to destroy the nucleus goes up. So we've seen this type of design before in various guises. And really, this is simply a destroy the power points to blow up the central processor and move on. That's what this is. So under all the sci-fi talk of nuclei, orbitals, and ethers, that's what this is. This is a ramping up of difficulty. First one is destroy one two, three, and so on and so forth. And that's what it is. So what makes this different, if anything? So let's talk about your ship, first of all. It's huge. It's massive. As spaceships go, it's, it's, it's huge, this thing. Now, normally we talk about the power drive. If you look at Alicap, if you look at Iridium, it's games before this. Small sprite, that's what you control. Here, it's, it's a multi-sprite thing. It's big. And it always faces to the right. So despite this being a 360-degree scrolling game, you always you can't turn. You cannot turn. You always just face to the right. At the front of the ship are your lasers. This is the basic ship you get. And at the rear of the ship is your transporter that allows you to get back to base at any time. And along the spine of the ship, so the ship kind of looks like, if you might, I don't know, Space 1999, is that a good call for what the ship kind of looks like? That, yeah, kind of, that sort of triangular head and sort of then the body and then the thrusters at the back. It looks a bit like that, but in squares. Because it's got kind of got two squares in the middle, and I'll come to them in a bit. So along the spine of the ship, there's a series. So linking the head and the tail of the ship, there's a series of yellow squares. So there's also one in the gun at the front, and there's one in the transporter at the back. So most of the time, that the the square in the gun at the front is flashing, and this tells you that that's what's activated. So that's what's going to happen when you press the fire button. You're going to shoot. If you hold the fire button down, though, it allows you to move the flashing square along this spine of lights um, and choose what you wish to control. So you move it all the way back to the transporter and then you hold the fire button again. This will transport you back to the base because you launch every start of every mission. You launch out from your base, kind of like we saw in uh, Mutants, I guess, where you choose something at the base and then you decide to what you launch into. It's that kind of thing. But here's a bit more graphically smart. So we'll talk about that a bit. Once you're back at your base, um, you've been out into you know the universe. You've shot some stuff. You've destroyed a nuclei. You've ca- collected some cash. You go back to your base. You can buy some new systems. Your core ship it has only has space for two, so the middle section of the ship has like is basically squares, and so each one of these is a system that you can bolt on. So when you start, you have a, a health um, thing, which is like a little two little lines going around in a circle in the top part of the ship, and that's your health. The slower they go in, the more closer you are to death. When you get really close, it starts flashing yellow, or sorry, orange, um, and so you don't want that. If you destroy the nuclei and get back to the base, then your health is replenished. But if you go back to the base without destroying the nuclei mid-level, it's not replenished. Um, and that's what you've got to so you've got to walk up, watch out for that. The other one, the other uh, square on your ship is blank. So that's waiting for a new system. And so if you've got enough money, you can go through the lo- list of options that you have. And those list of options, you can uh you can buy a new system, you can install a new system, you can buy a new weapon, you can install a new system, install a new weapon, you can scrap a system, or you can scrap a weapon. 
So you basically, you've got these options and you just, once you move up to them, you move left or right to choose, see what's available. Everything costs money. Uh, you can also buy new ships as well, bigger ships, but they cost a lot of money. So you've got to go out to quite a few before you can get enough money to buy you a new ship. And new ships give you more slots for more systems and so on, and new weapons, which you can then attach and so on and so forth. You get the second ship and it has four slots and the light spine that goes from back to front also now goes up and down in the middle. So you can attach weapons to the top and bottom um, of the ship. And so that's how this game works. You're, you're going out into the systems to shoot stuff, to collect money, to go back to the base, to power up, to buy new systems, and, and that's it, and so on. Um, the game is also split into something called time slices, I think, which they advance every two minutes. And when they do, new systems and weapons become available, but the old ones are delisted. And there's other things to them, time slices. They do other things, but it's kind of hard to get your head around. Um, it's also worth noting that when you order a new system or weapon, they're not immediately available. You've got to wait a couple of minutes. So you've got to go out, back out fighting, wait for it to be built, come back, and then you can get it and install it. So what this actually means is that planning and forethought and experimentation of the order of the day here is you try and figure out what systems to buy and what works best. The first one to buy, by the way, if you haven't got the manual, is order the IC4 system because what that does is that recharges your health when you're moving at over 50% of your speed. So you can at least fly around and get your health back. And that's very useful. In fact, it tells you that in the manual because the manual goes into loads of detail because it's another 50-page Rainbird manual special so there's obviously been a lot of thought around all these aspects of the game and trying to introduce you to it because they know there's quite a lot here and trying to get you you know to understand what what to do and that's all you know ace like i said all around it's great the problem is the game itself it's just not much fun so you simply fly around so basically you start off so the game starts with you at this base and it's very nice and you sort of docked into this uh, station and when you start you kind of fly out and these there's you know the staff scaffolding stanchions sort of either side top of the building and they fade out and and, and you go into the base and it's, essentially what you're doing is you're flying around at, you know you fly around you're unable to turn you find the orbitals which are on your radar you destroy them, destroy enough of them, you go from one to the next to the next till the nucleus explodes, you go collect the cash, you return to base, and that's it. You repeat on the next level and maybe order some stuff. There are loads of nice touches to this. Like I said, presentationally, there's loads of nice touches here. The nucleus, at the start of each level, the nucleus spews out the orbitals in different arrays. So sometimes they're in a spiral, um, sometimes they're in two rings, sometimes they're different shapes and things like that. But far too much of this game, for far too much of this game, I found myself just floating against it. A, you know, an admittedly very well done multi-directional star field whilst the odd sprite or aether floated by until I got to an orbital which I was looking at because the screen space basically is it's just space with some stars and at the top you've got a radar which kind of shows you in white dots are your are the eighth are the orbitals or the nucleus so you just fly to them line myself up to the left of the uh, orbital because obviously you can only shoot to the right and I shot it and then I just carried on I mean, I gave this a solid go here. I read through the manual. I read all the way through the mental procreations sections in Zap and, you know, tried to get into the mindset they wanted that they're trying to go for in the manual, which is like this, you've got to slow down. You take this on. You know, this is not just your mad blaster. It's slow and thoughtful blaster you've got to build up to. But for me, it just wasn't there. And just to add, when I upgraded my ship and put another weapon on, which was the an each-way blaster or something, with EW something or other, it was rubbish. <laughs> it, it shot fire out or lasers or something. They, they barely got away from my ship. Um, and, it, you know, I was like... I've spent all that money and waited for that to be, to arrive. What what a waste. It was such an anticlimax to get a new weapon and it was crap. It's a shame this because there's no doubt in the thought and the technical expertise um, in this game. 
and it all flows beautifully from the launch of the ship and the world fading out as you zoom down the track and fading back into the universe. Because I like what uh, Braybrook said about that in the, in the diaries, where he said he's, he's coming at it from the wrong way. You do it from the point of view of the ship where the world dissolves and the you know, instead of you fading out and fade back in, do it from the other way. And that's good. I, I like that when you see what he's trying to do. All those touches are really nice. The problem is the game part, the thing you actually do, is really lacking. There's nothing I couldn't. Whether I'm missing some fundamental part of this game. I don't know, but I played this and got into this quite far and I couldn't find anything there beyond floating around black space, shooting some orbitals and collecting some money from the nucleus and ordering stuff. This was unfortunately more, this is more Alicat than Iridium and Paradroid, I'm afraid, as far as I'm concerned, which is a shame. I mean, don't know. What about you? I, I quite like this, this game. I played quite a bit of this back in the day. The limitations that you've identified are simply the limitations of the game. I think this is a triumph of the technical ability of of Andrew Braybrook and co. And everything that you said, I agree with. It's utterly flawless in its presentation and its and its its delivery of what it's doing. It's just exceptionally put together. And it's easy perhaps to fall for that because from its production and presentation view, it's just it's there's nothing quite nothing looks quite like it. Um it's quite unique in that respect. It's got a genuine I mean everything moves fast and like you said, everything is Everything in this game is is not flawless, and and it's, it's just everything is in in perfect alignment with what you'd expect this game to have at this level. It's just it's incredibly put together, and that belies, I think, some of the the lack of gameplay that's in it. Um, and I think that's like you said, that's kind of the problem is that with all the technical amazing things on display and the big graphics and the 32 multiplexing this and the, all those fancy stars that move and the way it moves and the, the ship moves around the, the little universes or whatever and all of the, the way it plays and all the look and feel of this game, it's just, it's beautiful to look at, but it doesn't back that up with enough solid, solid gameplay. This is no paradroid. This doesn't have all of that game under the hood. This just has a few simple things to go at. And I think because of that, if this had had more, uh, more mutants about it and there was more like that, where even mutants, you know, was a bit erratic, but it had more game to it than this. And so I think on the plus side, I quite, as I, I quite enjoyed playing Morpheus from time to time back in the day. And from a technical perspective, this is just a tour de force of everything that somebody can do with the Commodore 64 really knows what they're doing. From a gameplay perspective, the big movements, the big sprites, all of that is hiding what is essentially a, a bit of a sort of a move around the void and bolt things onto your ship game. And if that's what people you want to do and do a lot of that, then this game is going to allow you to do all of those things. There's good complexity. There's good scale of ideas in here. The upgrades are a bit weak in places. It's kind of, they do this, some of these games, the upgrades don't seem to be very up. <laughs> so it's just, I don't quite know. There's a few of the shooters that seem to do it as well. Yeah, crap great. I think, I think this game can be measured by perhaps not so much what it's technically showing, but what it's actually lacking. It's not, there's not enough shooting for it to be a shooter. There's not enough collecting for it to be a collector. There's not enough upgrading for it to be a shooter with upgrades, nor do the upgrades feel particularly upgrady. It, all of the things that it, it should really be really good at. And there's not enough of those to make the game feel coherent. And so what you end up with is not a very good version of it, not a bad version, but not as good a version of any of those things. And if you take those things out, what are you left with? What are you actually mm. doing? You know, it, 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 and at its heart, this game has a space, an empty space 
which needed to be filled by a more compelling thing or more or of something that was maybe more enemies might have been more more just more things on the screen moving around flying about more frantic action more more panic but it doesn't really feel like you're ever in any of those modes and because it's not really down those roads it sort of almost is in the same realm as where we went with mutants which is where we said you know some of these things it's just a bit obtuse and it's maybe there's a good game in there somewhere if you really want to persevere with it but it's just it's such a shame because there's such technical prowess on display and there's such there's, someone's put a lot of love and love and mm. care in that game you know Andrew Braywood really cares about his games and the way they look and the way they play and so I can't believe that he didn't play all of this out because he must have play tested this to death to iron out the level of bugs that are in that because there are none but I think what he's done is he's gone a bit gameplay blind um, and I've seen that happen with with people that do those sort of things where they, they play the game so much that they they actually forget that other people have to play it too at some point and get what your your, your mm. thing was and I don't think it does I think that for all the effortless chops that are on display and the code and the amazing stuff and the slick play the way this plays you're just floating around a lot of empty space really from time to time yeah. and do you, do you know you can, you can make a, you can make an argument just thinking about it and listening to you talk and sort of thing about some of the things you were saying about th- th- this is like an art house shooter. Yeah, it's like yeah, someone's could, taken a shooter that. and de- deconstructed it and said, right, what if actually instead of just collecting power ups in Nemesis and pressing the button that you got them immediately, let's actually take that back and say, well, what if actually what would you have to do? You got to go order them. You got to have a builder. You got to bolt mm. them on. And like somebody's made some like looked at what a shooter is and gone, well, what happens if we try and do this in a a realistic way where it's a big ship can't really turn float around but you've got to you've got to order these things take time to build you can't just bolt on missiles and stuff onto your ship willy-nilly and so it, it's almost like a it's like an art house art house version of nemesis <laughs> yeah maybe i mean maybe there's a way of arguing that i think maybe yeah it's like a, it's like someone's taken the, the the fundamentals of what shooters were at this point your deltas your nemesis you're all those ones in the arcade you've fire you know um your time uh, what was the ones we looked at slap fight terror cresters and just gone right well actually i'm gonna do that you know it's like someone like jim jamish or someone like that looking at a certain type of film and going well if we're gonna make an action <laughs> film let, let's right. let's take it back and say let's deconstruct an action film or someone or some art house director and go well what is an action film and, and i don't know i'm not saying it makes it right because unfortunately a game's a different thing but there's a kind of look at this which is you know, this is the, the, a sort of realistic version of Nemesis in that all those, all those shooter tropes. Well, and gone, may, may, but, but, maybe. But the problem is, it just doesn't make for a very interesting game from a playing perspective. No, and, and that's a, it's a theory, isn't it, that uh, Andrew Braybrook and his attempt to try and make the ultimate explorative shoot 'em up inadvertently t- made it into <laughs> some kind of sort of John Luke Goddard version of Nemesis. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm well, sure he wasn't aiming for that, but... My, my, my feeling there. is that, that what he was aiming to achieve, I think, was a more 2001 approach to this kind of idea. This, sort of, but it, yes, games, yeah. games. If you if you've got shooting in a games, games require a prescient level of either some kind of timing issue, some kind of urgency. They need a prescient level of urgency because this game needed to be enjoyable, yeah. and it lacks the very things that need make these kind of games enjoyable. All of those things in of themselves are great things to have in games. Adding things to your ship floating enormous ships around, collecting things and doing all that. But it needs, there needs to be a sort of an urgency, a, a panic. As the, it, yeah. If you were playing Nemesis and it, and it was neither here nor there, whether you went to the end of the level or not, it doesn't really matter. If you got the upgrades, you could have them or not. The game would be completely different tonally. And this game is tonally different. And I think it's yeah. suffering from that. Like you said, it, I think he's inadvertently just taken away the very thing, thing that would have made this game more, feel more 
coherence as a as a. I, don't, I mean, what is it meant to be? What is it pitched as? Is it a shoot 'em up? Is it collect 'em up? What is it? Uh, I, I, to be fair, I understand. I looked, I read through the manual, but there's a there's a big page at the beginning of the manual where it's kind of like you've got to approach this differently. It's, it's you've got to think about it and approach it in a different manner. And yeah, and and, and, and you no, know, it's not just a blaster. It's a th- thinking man's exactly blaster, well exactly so if you're gonna if you're making a cerebral game which then but P- paradroid is more cerebral than this i think uh, the, yeah exactly i think that's a better better um a better uh, correlation of those two ideas yes um, yeah i think you're right so th- but so this know. just lacks those things and yeah uh, and it's come at a cost i think of a bit of a technical showing off actually perhaps that's where where those things got lost in the mix is that in classic jurassic park tradition he didn't stop to think about the things he was putting in. He just kind of got on with doing the really complex technical stuff, but didn't stop for a minute to think that maybe this is not the um, the best way to do that if you want to make an exciting game. No, no one's going to... Everyone remembers shooting loads of things, but nobody sits there thinking how marvellous the 32 Sprite multiplexer is, except the people who do them. <laughs> no, so, exactly. Maybe it's that. <sighs> Shame. I, I mean, I, I still... I, I, I went back to this a few times, actually, when we to play this with the pod with, for the podcast because I've just found I found it a difficult game to get into initially and it took me a while to sort of get into the space of it and maybe that's like you said that's the instructions you know take your time do all this but who wants games well, that, need to be what, in loaded on blasting blowing stuff up for me and it's well that, if you're that's, not doing that's, that pretty quick that, then you know that's the that's the art film argument where you know you, you you can look at certain films and go well we don't want to do that or you know we're challenging the norms yeah you're breaking the, the you're tropes. breaking out of those those yeah you, exactly you're, you're challenging those things and it's important that games do that as much as films do that and but don't expect anyone to like them <laughs> if you're going to do no, that no, no. i mean john luke john luke goddard might be the greatest director for some people on the world but some of his films are utter crap um and so you know <laughs> and you can explore all the fancy techniques of filmmaking you like but at the end of the day if your film's incoherent and boring it's incoherent and boring regardless of how pretty it might be or how much dancing yeah. or how many weird pigs you have bashed into the rock or whatever <laughs> You end up with Derek Jarman's blue. Yeah, you, well, that is the ultimate, ultimate end game, isn't it? So, you know, if you was take it to the nth degree, if, uh, there's a version of Morpheus out there which is just, just a black screen. It's like, you yeah. know, it's the most cerebral game of all. You know, there's no game there. You've just got to make it as you go along in your own mind. So, <laughs> yeah. There yeah, we go. I think, I don't, I think I'll good... just take the red pill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably for the best. That's a good tangent I wasn't expecting anyway. That just occurred <laughs> to me just then when you were talking, but, you know. No, hey, I, yeah. well, I think you're right. You know, it's important that we, we explore the avenues that these games open up. Morpheus is pitched as that kind of more thinking man's shoot em up mm. game. And if it is, well, let's, let, what, what am I thinking about? Um, yeah. You know, and like it, I said, it, it, it's, it it's that notion stuff. of power up and stuff like that, but it's taken it to, well, hang on a minute, you got to order it. Someone's got to build it and you got to put it on. You got to yeah. have space for it. Yeah. And who wants those things anyway? I mean, that's what I mean. It's, it's adding realism to something where I just actually want to blow up amazon.com the game. <laughs> Maybe. No, no one wants Maybe. to play that. You, if you order from Amazon, you don't need that, do you? you don't think about that. It's not like that. And Morpheus. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's Morpheus. That went mm. uh, well. Went deep, but sometimes Real it's worth deep. a chat. Muscle Real deep. deep. <laughs> Stop looking at my search history. <laughs> oh, he's got muscle deep. Oh, that's it. There we go. That's uh, that's it for this this week. Uh, big episode, I think. Big episode. Mm, yeah, um, so what did we look at? We looked at loads of games. We looked at International Karate Plus, which was ace. On cue, which was not. 
<laughs> we like the land of Neverwhere, which is bizarre. Athena, which was just, you know, white sprites on a colourful background. Pi R squared, which challenged our brains. We looked at Renegade, which was an important step along the belt. What are they called? Belt scroll format of four fighters. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least I've got a title now for that kind of game. Yeah. Um, mean City, which was Cinemascope, Dual Hattie, Patty, Ugh, Panty, mean and shit. whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, water polo, which was probably a game nobody really, really wanted a version of. <laughs> Niche anarchy, yeah, anarchy, which won't bring anarchy, and, and Morpheus, which uh, turns out to be the thinking man shooter, the Jim Jarmusch of uh, shooting games. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Who knew, um, that? who knew that? The John Luke Goddard, you know, the God of Dreams. Mm. Maybe that's what it's all about. Uh, that's it. We're done for this week. We've got more coming up next week. Do we need to go through them? I don't know. We've got Qdex, scary monsters Q-dex in there. Yeah, uh, Star Fox. Uh, mm. They're quite high, quite high-rated uh, games. This this uh, issue, aren't they? Yeah, Enlightenment, yeah, yeah. Druid Two, Solomon's Key, um, mm. things like that. So we've got there. quite a few another another ten games next week. That's it. Obviously, as ever, if you wish to help us uh, out financially you can join our patreon uh, which is at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past a couple of tiers there's a pound which just helps us along and keeps us going and we thank you very much for that or there's the higher tier the for price of a pint of beer pretty much which gets you early access to episodes access to our discord any bonus episodes we put out full full versions of bonus episodes so anything we've done before which is the um, interviews and stuff like that so you can find all them on there um, and things like that so that's all good and obviously helps us out massively and yeah so that would be cool and you also get your name in the shout out each month and things like that so if you want to do that head over there on that that's a big episode this one anything else to add no i'm all i'm all done yeah so that's it so as ever i've been feeling a bit more chipper this week i've been more interesting games than we've, we've had so okay plus IK plus rules. always does it pi r squared did it as well i like that as well and i didn't mind anarchy either and also uh, renegade was quite a bit of a blast so you know good stuff mm. bit better thank god uh the year ends ending on good stuff so that's good so as ever i have been adrian mills i have been graham reddings and you've been listening to zapped to the past and we will see you again next week goodbye Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuda, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.